Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're doing another April HodgePodge episode. I'll bring the mashed potatoes. I'll bring the gravy. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, as always, this is... Abe! What's up? Out Now is a film podcast, where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is something completely different. This is uh, this is another uh, HodgePodge episode, our April 2017 yeah. HodgePodge. Just looked in the fridge, put everything in a pot, and uh, made a soup. Yeah, and coming out of that soup, we have what I'm calling... This gifted discovery is colossal. That's what I named it. Perfect. Perfect. That's what I named it. I've got it. TM. TM. Thank you. <laughs> it needs a trademark. <laughs> registered. That would be a registered. It would be in, circle R. Circle R. It'll be circle. Yeah. It, it, it'd be in a '70s movie. It'd be like big block letters of that title with a little like description on the bottom that makes sure it's registered very properly. <laughs> yeah. uh, joining us for this hodgepodge episode, we have from the Milky Blues, currently defining cinema for all the non-Malik fans out there. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, everybody. Milky Way Blues. Milky Way Sorry. Blues? Okay. Milky Way Blues. Well, no one's going to look, but it's one word. <laughs> Milky Way Blues. That's my bad. <laughs> no, that's all right, Aaron. I almost said nothing. I'm so I'm so sure no one's going to look, but I might as well. They're all going to look now because they're like, what? <laughs> they're definitely looking now. All right, this, this is too oh, long God. of a riff to not be anything. <laughs> also with us today, coming soon to Why So Blue with video game coverage, he always finds himself going in style and regretting it later. It's Peter Paris. Hey, everybody. Why would he regret it later? Is he wearing boat shoes to a wedding? Have you seen his profile pictures? I'm kidding. I don't know. I'm just joking around. (laughs) Zing. Zing. How are are the two of you doing today? Good. Uh, I'm doing good. I I, uh, I got to watch like three movies this weekend, so that was kind of nice. I don't usually get to do that as much. So, uh, yeah, I'm anxious to uh, talk about them. So. That's good. always a, that's always a positive for me. Well, good. Glad to glad to have the two of you back here. Uh, glad, Yancy, you're making your your second time in various multiple weeks, so that's that's generally a positive sign. But let's see if you don't fuck it up this time. I'm kidding. Let's oh, I'm so glad to be back. Thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm serious. I love this, and if, if this is my last time, hey. It won't you guys be. tried. You guys tried to make We'll, we'll get you back just on like a really, really like uh, movie where there's a lot of opinions just to get ratings. So don't worry, you'll be back. <laughs> yeah, for there sweeps. We'll get you back for May sweeps. That's what yeah, we're saying. Exactly, for sweeps. <laughs> if you ever want to do the Star Wars prequels, I we're really up against that whole entire you know uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Kimmel race. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And yeah, Peter, reluctantly, we decided to have you back on as well. So yeah, we can get <laughs> this thing going. But... Peter's going to go and slash your tires now. No, not yet. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, not, not kidding. Uh, show notes. Let's let's get into those real quick. Uh, first up, I want to get this out now. Hey, that's the title of the show. The sixth annual Summer Gamble is coming at the end of this month, guys. That is a fun, yeah. that is a fun time for this podcast, the Summer Gamble. Uh, it's where we, Abe and I, gather many members of the the out now crew um and uh, decide or make make our very valiant efforts to choose what we think are going to be the top highest grossing films of the summer um it's a great competition we like to have it's yielded very various results over the years and yeah we have that uh on its way so i was sitting on pins and needles when i'm watching movies over the summer yeah that's that 
that'll be a fun episode for sure. And that, yeah, that's going to come. We're going to be recording that one towards the end of the month. Um, yeah. What else? Fun. Uh, speaking of uh, big episodes coming, 300's coming. Three zero zero. Yeah, three hundred episodes. Oh, it's wow. on. It's on its way. Uh, probably somewhere around Labor Day. Um, actually, so uh, Aaron is. Uh, Aaron looks like he's gonna purse right now. You so, know, he's he's that big. <laughs> so, congratulations, Labor yeah, Day. Yeah, congratulations, Aaron. <laughs> well, let's get a let's get a peach pie and have a day with that one. That's what I'm We're, saying. Danny Vito's gonna show up, and so is Emma Thompson. So. Oh, great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's all that. Uh, let's see what else. This month is a, it's a new month. It's April now, which means that we That's have right. a new commentary coming at some point. I have some ideas for what we should do, but yeah, we will be uh, recording a new commentary at some point. Maybe even this week, actually, come to think of it. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see what's coming down the pike, and uh, we'll throw something out to the listeners because they love the commentaries. Last thing here, iTunes reviews ratings. Good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Aaron and Abe. Give us a star rating. That'd be cool. Write us a little review, even cooler. Yeah, definitely. Give us a shout, and uh, we'll read it out here on the air. All right. Now that we got that stuff out of the way, let's uh, let's get to let's get to some know everybody. Okay. Uh, each week we uh, ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know, know everybody. everybody. That was that good. Was pretty good. That was a good one. <laughs> and we only, we only have one question this week, but that was that was, that was good. <laughs> and my and the question is from me, and it's very simple. What is your guys' favorite film of the year so far? Favorite film of the year so far? We're, a, we're a quarter of the way through. Interesting. I've been thinking about that. It's interesting. Since you guys are stunned, then I, I will throw out that uh, I may, I mentioned this last week because um, I, I I recently rewatched uh, Get Out with uh, my lovely girlfriend. Um, and I would mm-hmm. say it's probably for me a tie between Get Out and Kong Skull Island. I really like both of those movies a whole lot. And, uh, both are very. I, I think they're they're both they both are very effective in accomplishing what they're try, they set out to do. And while I know it's early, um, I, ex- I expect to keep thinking about those ones as I go on through the year. Mm, okay. Uh, I would say John Wick 2. And it's the only one. It's the only movie that I've seen this year twice. Peter, this, like is, a, this is a professional film podcast. John Wick <laughs> Chapter 2. Let's let's. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think you, you forgot the call in, too. So. I mean, it was a mo- it was a sequel that, I mean, really improved upon the original in pretty much every conceivable way for me. And I mean, I liked the first one, but I didn't love it as much as a lot of other people. So um, I also do really like Kong and I like Get Out. Uh, I also liked Personal Shopper. But yeah, it's probably John Wick Chapter 2. That's probably mine. Good one. Uh, I you're, you're catching me a little off guard here. And uh, I don't have a great answer for you. I might just shout it out during some part of the show later. All right. Um, I think uh, curious. You said for however many four months of the year, it, it's getting like this now, where I'm four and five months into the year, and I only have like one or two movies I really liked. It seems to be they're really starting to bunch up later in the year. The kind of stuff I like to see later in summer and then later in the year. But um, I would agree with Pete. I thought uh, John Wick Two was probably the best movie I've seen this year. I really liked Song to Song. And um, I also really liked uh, Skull Island, which I didn't expect I was going to like. And Get Out is certainly good. But that's about it. There hasn't been that much. Um, But I agree that that John Wick is – I didn't like the first one that much either. And the second one I thought was just really artful, you know, surprisingly, and and really liked it. All right. Well, Abe, I look forward to hearing you scream out some random movie while we're having a passionate discussion. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. (laughs) Okay. Home Alone 2. No, I'm just kidding. I'll shout one something out later. All right. Well, do you guys remember when Martin Scorsese was on this, the Ebert with Ebert? They talked about the best movies of the '90s, and Ebert and, and Scorsese's number one was a movie from the '80s. That was an amazing thing for him to be able to do. What do you choose? 
Does anybody remember that? I, well, I remember that episode. I don't. I don't remember the choices made. What did he choose? Uh, it was a Korean movie, The Horse Masters, or something, something that no one could see unless you're Martin Scorsese. Like no one has a print but him. And like <laughs> the best movie, the movie was a movie from 1987. And the rest of it was great. It was Heat and Eyes Wide Shut and movies I love. But number one was like. It's from the 80s, but I'm Scorsese, so I can say that. Did Ebert, <laughs> did, did Ebert cheat? Did he choose the Three Colors trilogy? Was that his number one? Oh, gosh. What was his number one? Pete, you must remember. It was this. either this that or Hoop Dreams. It was either, that or, it was, it was either okay. that or Hoop Dreams, I'm pretty sure. Like It was one of those. Crumb, maybe? Yeah. I think Ebert I mean, cheated. I think he chose like the Three Colors trilogy as his like, favorite film of the 90s. Just, eh? Even that's less of a cheat than... Well, he chose, what, <laughs> choosing three... Well, yeah, obviously. It is Hoop Dreams. No, I'm looking at it now. It's Hoop Dreams. Says he chose. It, it's, I can see it. It's, it's Hoop Dreams. He had Hoop Dreams, Pulp Fiction, yeah. Goodfellas, Fargo, Three Colors Trilogy is number five, uh, Schindler's List, Breaking the Waves, and Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, so he didn't actually cheat. He, he had three movies as his, like... As his top? As, a, like, as they, yeah. they count counting. He's Ebert. Yeah. He's yeah. Ebert. Yeah. And, you know, I think you can lend, lend Kislowski the credit and say, well, it is sort of one film, if you want to see it that way, you know? It was Hoop Dreams, though. <laughs> I remember things. Like a four-part uh, documentary. <laughs> yeah. I have things yeah. in my mind, I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Hoop Dreams is great. Guys, that's how you play No Everybody. No Everybody. Thank you. Let's, uh, okay, so because we have a special, you know, a little bit of a different episode, we're going to forego a uh, certain segment this week, but we will have some, yeah. some quick trailer discussion here because, uh, you know, a couple things have come out that I figured why not talk about. Uh, first up, real quick, uh, there's a bit of a tease of the Defenders, which is more of an excuse for us to talk about a, a bit of a recap on what we thought of these Netflix series so far, because I know, maybe not, you, we, we did a, a Daredevil episode back in the day when the first yeah, we season did. came it, out. I think it was, like, completed uh, after, was it season one or season two? Season one. We did a season one episode yeah. for Daredevil, yeah. um, and we haven't done any for the others, uh, so I figured, you know, if we want to get into some general thoughts on how these shows have been going, as well as, you know, the thought of the idea of this series, because the teaser itself it's not even much of a tea. It's more of, hey, it's those four characters you know, and they walked in an elevator together. They I'm seem- pretty sure it's just like a, a clip from the Defenders TV show, and they're just putting it with music. Just like a gag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so as some may recall, and others may be learning for the first time somehow, surprisingly, basically the Defenders is the team-up series. It's a it's an eight-episode series. The number of episodes most of these shows should have been to begin with um, that features the characters Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and... Uh, and um, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. That yeah. one is now eight episodes. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the rest of them are like fifteen episodes. They're all... This one is going to be eight. Yeah, it's makes no makes but no. They're sense. always they're always overly long, that's... so that's probably a good thing. I mean, that's, that's, what, I, that's what he's no, saying. He's saying, yeah, they finally learned yeah. a lesson, and it was for the team up. <laughs> the, the team, where, where presumably you'd probably want to see more of it if it's that good. If seeing the the prospect Sigourney of Weaver is in it, right? That's going to be amazing. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver plays the villain, I believe. Uh, oh, whatever. Like, I, whoa, she she has both here. hands. I'm guessing that's that's the thing. Um, <laughs> But so just to I mean just to get into it a bit I know Dar- Abe and I we both we enjoyed the first season of Daredevil quite a bit I, I think it yeah, I think we, we both did. found you know some issues here or there with it but as far as the first season it's pretty solid not enough lawyering and that's that's not a joke there's not enough there's not enough like Matt Murdock just being Matt Murdock but let's let's hear from Peter and, and Yancey on any, any general thoughts on we'll, we'll go series by series I guess just and somewhat briefly but thoughts on the, like the Daredevil series Yancey you want to go first. Yeah, you know, my only bona fides in this regard are that I read those Frank Miller Daredevil, that, that series, when it was coming out as a very small kid, which dates me, I'm sure, but my dad got those when they were coming out, and so I really remember those Daredevil stories that the first season was, sort of, the sort of Catholic guilt ones uh-huh. that started with the Frank Miller ones. <laughs> yeah. I, so I thought it was very, um, I didn't like it, I thought the, the, the TV series was very, 
sort of mock profound and definitely could have been five hours shorter. I couldn't stand the guy. They, I'm sorry. I couldn't stand the foggy Nelson guy. Oh, I liked that. that was a nightmare. So I made it through the whole first season and I, and I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of a bust. Mm. Didn't see the second season. Didn't see the second, didn't see the second season. No, because I already, I mean, like, I think I asked somebody is foggy Nelson back. They said, yeah, I said, okay, I don't need to. Like, <laughs> what I like, I love the first, I, what, what works for me about this, because I like both seasons, but what works for me about the second season or I guess what's kind of a hindrance on the show is that I think Foggy and and, um, and I forget her name, and, but the the assistant of the office. Um, her I like. Her I like. I like her. Uh, yeah. Basically, the three Murdoch and the the three of them are the least right. interesting characters on that show for it, me. Exactly. Like yeah. everybody else, because there's quite an ensemble. I mean, especially the Punisher, who John Berthold does a great job with. I think all of them are way more interesting, and the show gives a lot for them to do outside of you know murdoch and nelson which i quite enjoyed it's like oh yeah it's just an ensemble show apparently it just happens to feature daredevil occasionally even finds room for kingpin who i thought vincent d'onofrio did a great job with in the first season and gets a small dose of him back in the second season do we get to see kingpin and thanos that's what i want to see marvel comics could do that marvel comics could put their kingpin in the same story with thanos i bet you they couldn't do that with d'onofrio and josh brolin well, Peter, how about you? I, I I agree with everyone about how all these seasons are too long. Um, I was fine with uh, Daredevil season one. Uh, I was not as fine with. See, I agree. The Punisher guy was good, and I hated that actor on Walking Dead, but he was he was good as uh, the Punisher. Actually, I gotta say, my favorite is actually probably um, uh, probably Jessica Jones. Like I I thought that her her and uh, was it Kilgrave? I thought they were kind of an interesting like matchup or back and forth. And then sadly, um, I only saw like 20 minutes of the pilot from Luke Cage, which I've heard people liked. Um, and then I saw again, like I saw one pilot for Iron Fist and eh. yeah, don't inspire me. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw part of Luke Cage and I saw, I didn't see any Iron Fist. I people, hated Jessica Jones. I thought that was abominable. I, I had a really you hard like, time. You like the villain though? I thought you liked him. I love, I love that. I just, I honestly, I, Pete and I are, have been friends for a long time, and I, <laughs> I I hated Kristen Ritter in that role so much that Pete became worried that I was becoming a misogynist. And if you know me, if, if you, no, I'm serious. If you know me, that's a very it's absurd. One thing I'm not is a misogynist. Pete was so because I was so angry at having. He was so her. angry about her he because it just so seemed funny. so phony that she would be this hard drinking, hard living. She just didn't seem anything like that. Like Holly Hunter at 30, 35, I could see her playing that part. Kristen Ritter was like. Eh, I, I just, it just killed it. I like the other things about it, but that was, she just, I, I just was, I, I was torn out of my skin. Did you watch Luke Cage though? I thought you did. I watched, yeah, I watched, oh, I watched the first three or four Luke Cages. I really liked it, but I didn't. At that point, I had already, uh, I'd already, I'd already sort of uh, decided that these shows were too long, and that I just wanted to see the Defenders when that came on. <laughs> that, that was the next time I was going to check in. You know, that's a fair way so to look at it. I, uh... <laughs> but it, Luke Cage looked like it was the best one. <laughs> that looked like it was the most competently made one and the most interesting one. But again, like, it's like, do I have 12 hours? Luke Cage, I mean, you know, I, I read Luke Cage comics as a kid. Like, yeah, I mean, that's 12 hours of my life for Luke Cage. I don't know. Yeah. Abe, thoughts on the rest of them as a whole? Well, I mean, just uh, except for the ensemble piece and uh, whatchamacallit, I haven't seen Iron Fist yet, kind of because of the reviews, mixed, uh, mixed negative. But uh, I have to watch it because uh, I do want to make sure that I'm up to speed with how all this intertwines. I mean, there's a lot of intertwining already with the Netflix Marvel series uh, with uh, Trinity coming in in multiple episodes. Carrie Amos. Uh, 
Yes. Well, I think that the strongest link that between them is Rosario Dawson. I mean, she's, she's yeah, she's she in the whole movie. She plays a significant she's the best she, she plays a significant yeah. role in each of the series, yeah. and she's consistently she good. She is in getting those Marvel checks and living large. <laughs> she is the most consistently good thing about those shows. I think that's what I heard Rosario about uh, in Iron Fist as well. She's like uh, she's one. She outacts like the the main actor in Iron Fist. This, none of none uh, of that would no, be hard no. to do. I mean, like Rosario <laughs> Dawson is a movie star, and a lot of these other people are sort of TV stars. Kind of just TV stars, yes. Yeah. But uh, as far as the trailer goes, hey man, it's a teaser, and uh, you know the song choice is fine, but uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, what's I, the song? The song choice was uh, uh, Nirvana, um, "Come As You Are," or what's the oh, name? "Come As You Are." Okay. Yeah, yeah I, the the Netflix shows. The Daredevil ones, I think, are fine. I actually, I, I with Peter, I really like Jessica Jones. I thought that did a great job of, of, of mixing kind of a, a noir sensibility into the Marvel universe. I thought that was a neat oh, approach. God, no, <laughs> <laughs> that is not noir. That is such not. That is There's not a neat there. We got. We, we're gonna have to spin it, this up into it, like a it Netflix. It very much takes on a neo noir identity. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect, and because I do agree that the shows are all wildly too long and the stories don't know how to support themselves for that amount of time um but i will say that luke cage uh well also also too long is it's tied for my favorite i think i think that and jessica jones do what they're trying to do very appropriately luke cage i think they'll get the most points for maintaining a style all the way through it actually tries to be kind of about something in addition to being what it is which goes a long way as far as helping with the aesthetic which is part of why iron fist is I've, it's why I haven't finished Iron Fist in such a rapid pace, where Luke Cage, I'm like, I need to watch all of this as fast as I can because I really want to see where this goes. Iron Fist, I watched the first three, ep- three episodes, what, like three weeks ago whenever it came out, and I'm like, yeah, I can sit on this for a while. Netflix keeps releasing other things every week that I'm more interested in right. watching. Which uh, we kind of touched on last week. You know? Yeah, where they like, dropped like so five things content. in a row, and I'm like, yeah. how am I going to have time? I can't watch like a Louis C.K. special, two other things, and a TV show, and another movie all in one. Like, come on, Netflix. I'm sure it's contractually not allowed, but I bet if they cut a three-hour version of that Iron Fist season one, people would watch the shit out of it. I'm sure there's some great <laughs> editors online that are certainly working hard to do that for all of those series. But uh, Netflix should do that for Iron Fist because no one's going to watch it otherwise. <laughs> I, I might even watch a three-hour Iron Fist. I'm, st- I'm still waiting for the Arrested Development season that edits together all the episodes into making it more like the original series of Arrested Development to make it more cool mm. but, uh, <laughs> and tighter. But yeah, as far as the Defenders goes, yeah, I I look forward to seeing that universe, uh, you know, come together. I, it's been neat to it's been neat to see these kind of streetwise. I mean, I say this about these shows. I still like all four of these more than I like Agents of Shield. So I'll be excited to see all of them together and do whatever they come up with, especially if it's eight. I, I want this to I want both this eight episode run to work as well as the this eight episode run to lead to other eight episode seasons of the rest of these shows. If they as if they you know got their stuff together. But um, yeah, we'll just see where that goes. OK, that's the Defenders. Let's move on. That's the Defenders. Let's, yeah. let's get let's get to the other one. The Mummy. Because uh, we never talked about the first Mummy trailer, and now there's a second Mummy trailer. Well, the first one was, like, super teasery. Uh, right. yeah, it's a pretty long teaser. Like, like... It's, a bit, it's like a two-and-a-half-minute <laughs> teaser trailer for that movie. <laughs> now, yes, now it is a more full bear on what the plot of this movie is, which is a modern-day uh, take on a Mummy story featuring Tom Cruise, who I guess is some kind of... I don't know what he is. He's some kind of, like, just random guy that's going around and shooting people in Egypt? Who knows what's happening? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. What? It feels, it feels weird, man. Because he's, like, he's not... He doesn't seem like he's an archaeologist or anything. It just seems like he's going on and some he kind of... he doesn't seem like a mercenary, yeah. but, but who I'm knows? not really sure where he falls. But regardless, he stumbles across a tomb, as you do when you're fighting in Egypt, and he pulls out a mummy tomb, gets it, puts it on a plane, 
the mummy wakes up crazy things happens and then tom cruise becomes like the renfield of the mummy universe apparently so that's and that's where we have to go from there peter you're a big tom cruise fan huge tom cruise fan and i was while i think i enjoyed jack reacher 2 more than the first jack reacher i, oh, I would no. agree with i would agree with, well no but i would agree with i would agree with aaron in one respect that tom cruise always seems to put in you know 400% and there was something about the last the last Tom Cruise movie which is Jack Reacher where I was like huh I was like it almost seems like Tom Cruise isn't giving it his all I was happy I'm happy that in the trailers for the mummy Cruise seems to be into this so I'm yeah I'm totally on board like I I mean I like Tom Cruise and he looks like he's into it and the effects look fun and yeah like totally can't wait Yancy? here's the thing here's the thing I am also a big Tom Cruise fan I like Tom Cruise a lot I wish we'd go back to making a few more serious movies but whatever I, I think it's really interesting how when you say you've got a movie called The Mummy coming out, now it has to include a sort of Indiana Jones-esque aspect where you're fighting in the desert, as well as the giant um, dust sand face that was in the, the 90s Mummy. That's not right. in any earlier version of The Mummy, but now it's in this version of The Mummy. And so I'm thinking, wait a second, they're all about interconnectivity, they're all about generational affection. Is there any chance at all that they're going to lead to bringing back Arnold Vosloo, who played the mummy in the Brandon Fraser ones. <laughs> that would be and great. And then I thought, wait a second, wait a second. Here's the other thing. This is not a spoiler because I'm making it up. You can't accuse me of spoiling something I don't know anything about. But I'm pretty <laughs> damn sure Tom Cruise is going to be a descendant of Van Helsing's. That's going to be what comes out about him. And I'm pretty mm. sure because I remember like five years ago, they just said he was going to make a new Van Helsing. Remember that? It was Tom Cruise yeah. was going to star in a in the Van Helsing movie, like a reboot of Van Helsing. They, that was news everywhere. I do remember now that. Now suddenly it's yeah. a secret. Now suddenly it's a secret, and he's not, we don't know he's going to be. And then I thought, do they have the balls to bring back Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing in, like the, in one scene in like the mirror? Is the cachet of a movie having existed 15 years ago, even if it was bad, enough for them to bring back? I don't know. Because I'm not sure how many people actually have affection for those 1930s Universal movies that I love very much. In fact, I gave Mr. Peter Paris over here a copy of... Uh, that Universal Power box set for his birthday or for Christmas. I love those movies, but I can't imagine modern people go back much further than those mummies from the 90s. And if that's as far back as you go, Vosloo is still out there, I'm sure. Arnold Vosloo would be willing to do it. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Just, just like, you know, because the, the mummy in this movie appears to be a female. So it's like, mm -hmm. hmm, what are they going to do? Is it possible? You heard it here first. If it happens. <laughs> if it happens. Otherwise, forget it. I like, that. I like that theory there. We'll see how it pans out. If it, it is true then we'll know that you were working all along on uh, trying to deceive us. And I spoil, yeah, and I spoil. <laughs> Somebody's at least saying it. In the boardroom, someone is saying it. <laughs> After they listen to our show, yeah, they they are. Yeah. I think it looks, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I can't tell what kind of movie it's going to be, whether it's going to be a horror movie or not, but I'm curious about the whole, this whole universal thing, because Tom Cruise is, to my mind, chooses pretty good projects, so I can't imagine he would sign up for a bunch of crap, so I imagine it'll be pretty good. Yeah. Hey. As the trailer goes, uh, I, I thought it was okay. I mean, I'm glad that they shed a little bit more light about what's going on and who some of these characters are. But like what we discussed earlier, just I don't really get a sense of is it Indiana Jones or is it, you know, some sort of more action heavy movie or I mean, the vibes that I was getting when I was looking at Tom Cruise on the screen were that he's kind of like this Nathan Drake character from Uncharted. Mm -hmm. um, but even Nathan Drake, you know, he's got uh, he's got his background in the archaeology field, just like uh, Professor Jones. But um I mean, to be yeah, fair, I mean, Nathan Drake's also carrying around an AK-47, just like Tom Cruise that's right. in this yeah, movie. He's, he's <laughs> killing fools. Yeah, he's killing fools up the yin-yang. But um, And he's also, like, you know, getting some play on the side. But uh, uh, as all aside from that, 
it's interesting that this re- reboot of the monsters, Universal Monsters, is kind of going on this trajectory because I'm curious how they're going to try and blend all this together or if they ever are. So on the whole, I mean, the movie, it, it got a little bit more interesting, but I'm also not really sold on it still. But we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I'm telling you, there will be a line of dialogue. Your name wasn't always Mr. Johnson. You used to be. <laughs> is that what his career's last name? No, his name's not Mr. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's very generic. That said, Jake Johnson <laughs> is in this movie, so you have that Jake going Johnson for it. is in this movie as, like, the comic, comic relief, I'm sure. Do you know your lineage, boy? You're a Van Helsing. It's Russell Crowe, then yeah, of course I'm going to believe it. <laughs> Russell Crowe, who plays Dr. Jekyll in this movie, by the way. I don't know if that's not made explicit. That, what? Is that for real? Yes, he's Dr. Jekyll. I only knew that because I knew it. Oh, I didn't know my it from the gosh. Wow. Oh, interesting. Okay, I was like, why would they have such a high-profile actor in this professor role? And now it makes sense. Who was not, by the way, a universal monster, interestingly. Dr. Mm-hmm. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was from MGM, mm-hmm. that famous one. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not in those box sets. Um, yeah, I, great movie, great movie. I'm, 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 I'm more or less on board with a new Mummy movie if, sure. if this is what they're showing me. I, I like Tom Cruise. I like that he puts, you know, everything he's got into a lot of movies. I, I've been noted as saying that Jack Reacher Never Go Back uh, was one of my biggest disappointments of last year because of how not into it Correct. Cruise seemed to be compared to the first Jack Reacher, which he's very much involved in. Um, but. You know, this one looks more like him back on track again. I, I agree with you, Yancey, that, yeah, it'd be cool to see Cruz back into something that's not, you know, about end-of-the-world stakes. And he does seem to have that coming the, in September at the Doug Lyman film, um, American Made. Um, oh, good. So we'll see where that goes. But as far as, you know, a big, spe- know a big spectacle movie, it looks like the money's on screen. I can always appreciate that. I've heard, based off of conversation coming out of CinemaCon last week where they showed, like, a lot more scenes of this movie, or a couple weeks ago at this point, um, I look forward to seeing more of the horror elements that this movie's supposedly playing up, um, mm-hmm. mainly because Tom Cruise getting scared is something that intrigues me in movies. <laughs> like, um, you never see that. Yeah. You don't see that often. You see him worried or panicked, but never scared. So if he's not terrified. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I and yeah, it just looks like a big splashy adventure film, which I'm all for. I'm a, I'm a fan of those Brendan Fraser mummy, mummy movies. The first yeah, one in particular, too. I think. The first one in particular is pretty solid. Returns, I I do like. I I, I it's it's lesser than I that like first one. I like the second one better. I like the second one better. Uh, I like both first two. They're both like the they're one. enjoyable for sure. I think Stephen Summers really capitalized on the tone that he was going for of those movies. But uh, and if those had had Tom Cruise, they would have been amazing. <laughs> well, this maybe will be good. <laughs> Brendan Fraser does a great job in those movies. He does, about. but Tom Cruise would have classed the joint up, and it would have been. Yeah, but I don't, know, I don't know if Tom classed the joint up. Brendan Fraser has some uncanny abilities at kind of physical comedy that Tim Cruise is actually good at as well. But I think Fraser that would have been gone if Tom Cruise was in it. It would have been a different movie. I'm just saying it might have been a better movie. Yes, he can do the stumbling, can't he? But he wouldn't have. Because it was still during the sort of Mission Impossible tough guy. Time if he was if he was Edge of Tomorrow Cruise on those bad days, he probably would have been great in the Mummy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, we're gonna find out. Regardless, the the Mummy. Uh, right. When does the Mummy come out? I didn't write my thing down. The mu- uh, it's, it's early June. I know that. Hold on. Let's see. It's June 9th. June 9th is when the Mummy arrives in theaters. So there you go. Oh man, that will be a part of our summer box office gamble. Yeah. Oh, that's it's true. one to consider yeah. for sure. We gotta we gotta start putting, <laughs> putting those, pieces, really consider. Putting those yeah. pieces together. Um, all right, <laughs> that's out of the way. Now, guys, 
we have a number of movies for you listeners that, right. that the four of us have seen. And uh, some of them are the newer releases of the week, cause, so we're not going to leave out some of those releases. But some of them are you know, other films that are available via Netflix or have just been in theaters uh, for a few weeks now that some people may have been able to catch up on. So we just kind of want to go through some some thoughts on the on this list of movies that we've all kind of put together here to, to discuss. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about is Colossal. Um, this is the new film from director Nacho Vigalando. Um, starring Anne Hathaway, I'm gonna be some. I'm gonna be somewhat vague because the trailers give away a big aspect of the movie, uh, but I'm gonna be still somewhat vague on the plot. Basically, Anne Hathaway plays a, a she, she plays a partier in New York who is she's she's lost her boyfriend, lost her job, and now moves back home. Uh, her boyfriend, played by Dan Stevens, who seems to be everywhere these days, um, <laughs> and she moves back home to upstate New York area. Um, she meets one of her old childhood friends there, played by Jason Sudeikis, along with some others, including Tim Blake Nelson. Um, she she's trying to basically clean up her act, but that still doesn't stop her from being somewhat of a drinker. Um, meanwhile, in Seoul, uh, South Korea, there's a giant monster rampaging around. We don't know why, but for some reason, Anne Hathaway and this monster seem to be linked in a mysterious way. I think that about sums it up without giving away too much. Um, heroic, heroic attempt. Good. Thank you. Uh, we'll start with you, Yancey. What did you think of Colossal? I liked it. I did not love it. I thought Anne Hathaway was terrific, but I knew she was going to be terrific because I've always thought she was pretty terrific. I never understood why people didn't like her. But I thought that the movie for the first two thirds was a very interesting personal movie. And it feels like they must have gone through a rewrite because the last third, I won't say who, but one of the characters becomes very one dimensional in order for the movie to become a much more vague political sort of ending statement that I don't think really lands. I would recommend it because it's an interesting movie and someone, some young person might see it and become interested in movies like that. And it's a real movie for sure. But I, I think it was uh, in concept and in the uh, Hathaway performance and also Tim Blake Nelson, who is not in the movie enough. Those two, those performances are great, but I think the, the rest of the execution does not live up to the, to that stuff. Peter. Um, I'm somewhat agreeing uh, with Yancey. Um, Again, not too spoilery. Uh, two things going in. The trailer, um, I thought, looked very funny. The movie is not really that funny. Like, there, there is definitely some humor early on, but the tone definitely changes. And I'm not quite sure if it's to the movie's benefit. The biggest, right. thing, I, the biggest thing I would say, without giving too much away again, the way Yancey is, is that um, it's a movie that I guess we would say is maybe in the category of magical realism where you're kind of like, okay, you just have to go with this thing. It's, it and very I, much is in the realm of magical realism. Yes. Right. And, it's, and I'm totally, totally fine, right. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, except that in the last act, sort of what I think Yancey is getting at, it's, it sort of strains credibility for me. Cause I'm kind of like, well, once this character is revealed to be what they are, a part of me is like, well, why wouldn't you just do this to, you know, to yeah, work this yeah. character? And, and that started to strain it. However, I will say, and maybe this is where I disagree with Yancey, that um, the message of the movie, I thought, while a little on the nose, I did think the last, I don't know, five minutes or whatever, the, the, the solution to to these monsters, I thought was a pretty good surprise. Again, I'm not trying to give away too, yeah, too much, I, I, but I thought I that was, what you mean. I didn't see that coming. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Like, um, so I think that I, was a pivot it, that the movie did not, did not earn. 
Yeah, you might be right. Mm. right Villainizing that that, villainizing that character cheapened the move. So let's say it was a personal story for the first two thirds, which is not a political thing. A personal story is about an individual, what it's like being one person. Then for the last third, they did some kind of a rewrite to appeal to modern sensibilities of sort of, you know, it's it's sort of it's got a feminist thing going on, but it doesn't feel particularly genuine. I don't buy into that. I do think the movie kind of has a singular voice that it's expressing without having to without having to kind of disrupt what it's doing in order to get across a different message than it was going for. I think it. No, the void. I mean, I mean, in terms of the focus is on Anne Hathaway's character and on what's up with her as an individual. It's not so much about sexual or sexual politics. Then it becomes about sexual politics, and I thought that was a kind of crass turn. I didn't think honored the first two thirds of the movie. I will say I like the movie quite a bit. Um, I, I think it. I think it is very good overall. I do. I, I agree that there is a a shift later in that affects the movie in a way that makes it not as good. As it was go, you know, in the first those first two thirds. Yeah. But again, yeah. I, I think Anne Hathaway is solid throughout the movie. She does a great, oh, a great, great job. She's yeah. wonderful. She's wonderful. Um, I, sure. I I'm a fan of Nacho Vigalondo, by the way. I, I, time Crimes is a really, I like time a crimes. really cool yeah, time, time travel movie. Um, yeah, I've yeah. seen that. That's good. I, I've yet to see Extraterrestrial, and there's and he had he had a short in the in VHS three that I thought was actually the the cleverest of VHS three. Um, and there's another movie too that I haven't. Which one is it? Um, I forget what it is. Uh, right now. But no, I, I, I like what Vigalondo has been doing so far, and I, I, I look forward to seeing more if he's – I like seeing how his career is kind of evolving right now as far as taking on – because he, he's putting – he's taking on kind of popular subgenres and applying his own touch to them, which I think is, is, is effective. Um, yeah, absolutely. For, I, I, I would agree. And, he's definitely one to watch for sure because, you know, this movie the, – the best things about this movie seem to be based on the, the bond that the filmmaker has with this, his leading lady. They seem to have a really strong understanding, so that's a very compelling – that stuff was really powerful. That sort of uh, whatever you call it, back and forth between the filmmaker and the actors. I'm not sure the rest of the movie is as focused as those moments where we're really in with Hathaway, who but, again is great. But and it, she has her hair look. Sorry. And fortunately, Hathaway is the she makes up the bulk of this movie. I mean, that's and that's, that's to the movie. also to the movie's I mean, betterment for she, sure. Um, I mean, somewhat, somewhat to Yancey's point about if the movie is is starting to explore um, some feminist ideas, she is literally, I think. Except for maybe the news cam, she is the only woman in the entire film. There isn't even a, there isn't even like a supporting like you know that's my best friend. I mean like it is basically her and men. That's the entire film. And I'm not saying that's bad or good, but that's clearly a a decision that they made. Um, it's a decision they made two thirds of the way through the movie because for the first two thirds it's not a for the first two thirds she seems to be the problem, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be an easy out. And then they give her an easy out at the end to make the movie more commercial to pay for those special effects. I'm assuming which are great. But the first two thirds of the movie are not about sexual politics. They're about one character and what's going on with this one character. Because we're all one individual ourselves, so some things have to just be about individuals. But I don't think the, I don't like think the movie's trying. I don't think the movie's it's betraying anything. I, don't, I feel I feel I feel like you're trying to limit it to being that that it has to only be about one thing. But I think it it it, it, it has it, to stay on target. I, I'd say there's a there's a problem with how it approaches what it's doing. But I do think there's an organic way that it gets to that point. Yeah, and I think they dehumanize the they dehumanize the character in order to villainize him in a very simplistic way that undermines any social commentary. But my 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 problem with that is more in what that act, what that what that what that performance is versus what it's capable of doing. I think if there is a stronger performance, I, I think I think that I the main problem I have with how the film progresses is that if the performance was stronger, then I don't think I'd have this issue. I, I think you might be right. I thought that's because I, I think there's a there's a key problem Maybe going I'll on with how the how the performance is being delivered that kind of, that speaks to what you're saying, Yancey. I wasn't too down on it to let it affect my the overall impact of the film that it had on me, but I do think that there's 
there is an option there to make it stronger than it was if you made a, a change in the person that's portraying the the problematic. But it, was, it wasn't a, it wasn't about her being unempowered. That was wasn't what the movie was about at all. It was about this character who was sort of running wild, and to then make it into a thing about empowerment just seemed like they lost track of what they were talking I don't, about because of the no, I, because of the way dan stevens treats her at the beginning i do think it's there i don't think it, i don't think it ever, mm. it's ever a non-point going on in that movie it's as far he's as he's just like the prick in a romantic comedy who's going to be that, but that's the big that's the, that's the thing i'd rather that, that's why he got turned into a beast that's yes that's the <laughs> that's the thing i'd rather identify with though about this movie it's that it, it what's i mean there's there's the themes that you're speaking of and that and that as far as, far as where it starts with, with just being focused on her and how it becomes this kind of bigger slant towards feminism but the i the the nature of this movie is that it's deconstructing romantic comedies which i found to be a, a fascinating way to take a story like this which by the way as you, i should remind you guys is a kaiju movie this is a this is a giant monster movie we're watching and it's like right. and it's so going it into like the, the intricacies of like a romantic relationship and how to start yourself over again so it's that alone for me it's like this movie is yeah, fantastic like, I, 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 I love that yeah, idea i love the that's a okay. good idea, but it's not an idea that has follow through. They don't actually earn that idea; they just state that idea, and they do it awkwardly. There's there's nothing sinister about that character until there needs to be, which is just not does not feel as real as the moments where we are trying to understand who Anne Hathaway's character is, what her problem is. I don't, here's, I don't, everybody has their own problems, and some movies have to be about individual problems, not cultural problems. Well, here's here's if I could say this, and I and I think I see where you're both coming from. Um and and again I'm I guess I'm kind of middle here. I think I'm more on Yancey's side, but I, I I see the the value of what Aaron is saying. But I guess the one thing I'd like to stick out that I think Yancey was saying that I would agree with with the last act thing is that uh and I know I bring this up I, I feel like I bring this up anytime I can. But in Under the Skin, um yes, good movie. you have a character Here we also, go. <laughs> on a it's one of it's a touchstone on a singular journey and while there are external forces there there definitely are it it's not it doesn't feel like it betrays it it really feels like it is this character's journey it's scarlett johansson is this whatever she is alien or whatever and and what her experiences are and i do feel like in most of colossal it is very much this character that Anne Hathaway playing has a problem. She's out of control. What is she going to do with her life? Oh my God. Now it's connected to something even bigger. What's at stake here? Exactly. Right. No, that is all great. But I feel like by, by doing what Yancey's saying by this last act thing, it does somewhat make it, it does make it emotionally less complex because it's like now she just has to defeat the villain. And I'm like, well, that wasn't really what we were set up for. What we were set up for was how does she, how does she, it's almost like she doesn't have an internal journey in the last act. Does that make sense? I would say, I mean, I would say, I would say the, the journey she goes on is not the most resolved by the end. Uh, and there's even, I mean, uh, you mentioned Tim Blake Nelson. He just kind of disappears in this movie, which is unfortunate. He's great. He is, he is, he is he's great. great. He's legitimately great he's in this movie. He's the most compelling human other than her. He's, he's very watchable. He's Tim Blake Nelson. He's a great actor. He's but, Tim Blake Nelson. But yeah, yeah, but there's like, you know, there's a moment where there's a, there's an emotional moment involving the the bulk of the cast. And after that, Tim Blake Nelson's character is just gone while you've just discovered something about him where you're like, Wait, I feel like I should be knowing more about him in addition to all the other things going on. If you're going to blow up this plot to make it about more than just a couple things going on, and there are quite a few twists in this movie involving, which again, exactly. which again is a giant monster movie. I feel like I need to exclaim that every time because it's like that's a, that's a crazy <laughs> element that this movie has. Because without that, it's still actually a pretty functional comedy to an extent. It's a functional like dramedy, drama comedy. But you know, adding that thing in there 
certainly gives the movie a stamp that you're not going to soon forget. Um, it, but yeah, I agree. It's messy. But that kind of reflects Anne Hathaway's character. She's a messy person. Like, and I, there's something about an untidiness that I do enjoy. I'm not going to say it's like to Manchester by the sea levels of untidiness, because that's a movie that also doesn't, you know, necessarily wind up with everybody's loop closed completely. But I still think for a movie like but artfully so, artfully so. Yes, but for, yeah, but it's yeah, artfully so it does. But for a for a movie like for a, like for a movie so. like this that is running on a on a crazy high concept for the art house, mm-hmm. and I've been calling it art house Pacific Rim a lot all week. Um, I, that is what it is. I, I do. I do think it does a lot. That's really effective. Certainly worth viewing by you know the masses if they're going to go see something definitely, that's different, definitely different true. and wild, definitely. and has some really yeah. has really strong central performance. I mean, there's plenty to Absolutely. there's plenty to recommend here. I would argue also that I think that the, the Tim Blake Nelson character disappears, and there's another character who seems like it's going to be more important than he is. I would imagine that the larger budget version of that movie had those two characters becoming involved in the uh, magical realism. Mm-hmm. In a way that they probably couldn't afford, and that's why they ditched them. That's a that's my guess. Yeah, I could I could see that. I'll, yeah. I'll be curious if there's a commentary that comes of this when it comes out on, on Blu-ray at some point. Uh, the other ideas that good, good, along it would have had. Good movie though. Good movie. Let's get to the next movie real quick. That's Colossal, by the way, which I think we'd all we'd all at least recommend, right? Yes, of course, yeah. absolutely. It's, uh, it's yeah, in limited sure. release this week. It actually did pretty well for being only like five screens or something. Um, and I'm sure it will expand in the coming weeks, probably not to, like, everywhere, but it'll certainly expand over the course of the next few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. The next movie um, that Peter's going to go into, because he's the only one that saw it, um, is Going in Style, the the big new release of this week next to, next to, <laughs> next to Smurfs 3. So <laughs> there's a title. I don't want – I already called out Peter for not saying John Wick Chapter 2. What's the Smurfs title? Smurfs The Lost Village? Yes, that's what – Smurfs colon The Lost Village. None of us saw that, but that's the other big release this week. Putting that on record, okay? Well, I- uh, I gotta say, I did not going in. I did not know this. Um, I don't think uh, I saw this with uh, Megan and um, and her uh, grandmother. I don't think any of us knew that it was a uh, a remake. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the movie had been. I can't had, believe it. I can't. I believe it. Didn't know that. You're, you're talking about <laughs> going in style now, not Smurfs: The Lost Village, of course. <laughs> yeah, not not Smurfs. No, going in style. Yeah. No going. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about going in style, yeah. not the Smurfs. Movie. No. Um. But no, I. You know what? I'm I. I don't know if I've ever talked about Zach Braff on this podcast. Not mentioned enough, not some would say. <laughs> right, I am not a fan of Garden State. Uh, I think Scrubs is okay. I'm not, I would not be, I'm not a Zach Braff guy. Um, so, like, Amen. if anything, going into this movie, I was more like, oh, I forgot he directed this, damn it. You know, isn't it? <laughs> it comes up. Um, I but I will say, I I will say um, yeah, but I mean, you know, Michael Caine, Alan Arkin, uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah, they're they're totally giving uh, charming roles. And obviously the, the notion of, you know, people who are retired, who lose who are losing their pensions uh, because of banks and because of factories and, you know, outsourcing. All these things are obviously very topical, um, not super deep, but it but, it, you know, it works. And of course, they decide, well, why don't we do a bank heist? Why don't we rob a bank and everything? The whole movie is is uh, never very um I don't want to say it's deep or anything, but it's 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 um it's never even on the level of like maybe like an Ocean's Eleven. It's not like that. But mm-hmm. oh, you know that you by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, you know, I I believe that three these three actors are lifelong friends, and I believe that like you know they're Arkin is the cantankerous one, and he's you know somehow getting uh, flirted by with uh, Anne Margaret, who's you know nice. <laughs> up nice. Um, it's a totally fun nice you know saturday matinee movie you know like i i enjoyed it i mean 
I guess if I'm t- it's probably like a C plus or something, but like, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, does it have a, the original has a very sort of melancholy last act. I'm assuming this one does not just based on what I know about modern sensibilities. Um, there's a, I mean, no, it's, it's a nice ending. It's not like yeah, a uh, it's different. Yeah. It's not, uh, there is a point where it looks like one of the characters might die. So I don't know if that's, Oh boy. What, yeah. One of the old people in this movie might away. die. <laughs> what? That's crazy. Not, movie did not back away from mortality. It, it, right. I'm not going to say what happens, but um, but I don't. I mean, it's it's it really isn't. One it, character might die. Imagine that. Right. <laughs> going in style. See the I original if you're going to see it at all. It's wonderful. I, I, this is the total movie that I could see Yancey Burns texting me, a holiday season. He's at a friend's house. Watching oh, a DVD, somebody's like, "Oh, I saw it going in style. Not bad." Like I could yeah, see those that. Are three good actors. I'm, I'm sure that's fun. Which, three good actors. Yeah, which which one right. narrates? Oh, uh, it's not narrated. Okay. Oh, good. Enough. Are there any uh, fun cameos that you that you liked? Um, Seems like Anne Mark. There's a what is it? What is it? Keenan Thompson uh, shows up as a. Um, they have like a trial run at a grocery store, and he's like the manager. Eh, it's kind of a fun. Yeah, Ke- like... Keenan took a break from never leaving Studio Eight H to do a movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can't give away plot points, but you can give away cameos. Come on. Um, you know what? It's funny. I will say this. It's funny you say cameo though, because while watching the movie, um, Michael Caine, his, his supposedly part of the plot is he's going to lose his house, and his daughter and granddaughter are staying with him. The granddaughter, I looked over at Megan. I was like, hey, AI, that's the AI girl. And she's like, what, AI? What are you talking about? I was totally wrong, though. It's actually – so for people who've seen AI, do you – of course, I love AI. But do you remember the scene at the flesh fair where the little girl is like, there's a boy in the cage? Do you remember this? Yes. Yes, of course. So, so okay, before you get to this, because I feel like I already – so you're, you're saying that the, gr- not the granddaughter of Michael Caine's character – you thought was the same little girl from a movie that came out 15 years ago? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I was like, wait, that can't... I was like, wait, that I, was like, well, that I didn't realize that dimension. Right? So like, <laughs> right. Um, but actually, it's her older sister. Her older sister was an AI. Because they look a lot huh, alike. All right. was, like, was she older when okay. she was an AI? <laughs> so the older sister was an AI. She was seven. But now she's like 23. Yeah. The one... In this movie, he's obviously younger. She was born in 99. Yes, he was born two years before yeah. AI came out. <laughs> so for a moment, AI was 16 years ago. Right. Or, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that was something where I was like, oh, that girl. I was like, um, but but yeah, it's, you know, oh, oh, you know who else shows up in the movie that well, is, is, is that aging way. quite well? Uh, Matt Dillon. He's like, oh, oh all right. Matt Dillon. Yeah, I mean, again, small. He's, he's basically the one investigating. He's the... Uh, the cop, the you know, uh, police uh, precinct guy, but yeah, he's you know not bad to see Matt Dillon. I like Matt Dillon in general. I always like Good seeing teams. Matt Dillon pop up. Yeah. And things. I always love seeing the flamingo kid. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yep. So, anyways, we've talked too much about this movie, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to our next one, which uh, Peter, you and I saw. Uh, it's called Gifted. This is the new film from director Mark Webb, who is back from webbing it up in the Spider-Man universe to make another uh, smaller film, his first since. 500 Days of Summer, as far as this scale of movie goes. It has Chris Evans as the legal guardian, the uncle of a young girl uh, whose name I do not have in front of me right now, but I know she's on that Keeper Thugland show, Designated Survivor. Her name is McKenna Grace, um, who is a gifted young child. She's very good with mathematics. Her mother has already passed away in the universe of this film, um, and it becomes basically this 
uh, uh, somewhat part of the movie is a legal battle involving who can properly take care of this girl. The other parts um, exploring why um, the young girl whose name is Mary in the film, uh, why uh, why it would be good to either put her in a school for the gifted or to let her, you know, have her own childhood that doesn't involve her involve her having to kind of go into challenging courses, what have you. So if all that said, Peter, what did you think of this film? Um, I thought it was okay. Um, I think that I do think that Mark Webb, while I did not hate the Spider-Man movies, like uh, Yancey, you were not a fan, right? Oh no! Oh no! No, those two were terrible. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like the Raimi ones. Those two I mean, were bad. I think that he's good with um, actor chemistry. So like Emma Stone and Garfield, I thought had chemistry, and obviously in Five Hundred Days of Summer. So in this, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, he's good with Chris Evans and the little girl. McKen- What's her name? McKenna. McKenna what? Grace. Yeah, they're they're terrific. Um, and I don't mind Mark Webb doing a smaller, like a budget like this. I'm like, yeah, this feels like something Mark Webb can do. Having said that, I don't know. I, I what I like about Gifted is really more the first thirty minutes when we're like dealing with, oh, this this smart girl now has to be in. I don't know if she's being, supposed to be in third grade or first grade or something, grade, but like yeah. she's obviously, first grade. She's obviously way smarter. And Jenny Slate is her teacher. Like that stuff's great because the little girl's a terrific actress, and it's great. It's great to see her ring circles around every adult. She plays, but she plays precocious about being obnoxious. Yes, absolutely. She pulls it off. But I don't know. A bulk of the movie is basically the court case. Is the oh, we need to get this daughter from her. The you know the the British mom, British grandma wants to take her and put her in a think tank, and eh, that stuff's okay. Like I, I, I wanted more of just. Evans, Octavia Spencer, who also shows up as a neighbor. I just wanted them more with the girl. And so I guess I felt like, it. to me, I don't really need as much about the court case. Oh, wait, but I will say, uh, great use of a cat in the movie. The cat, <laughs> I thought, cat kicked ass. Better uh, than Lewin Davis? No. Well, no. no. Come on, Abe, come, let's not talk let's stupid not. talk here, Abe. Come on. <laughs> better, better than Lewin Davis. I will say, but I will say the cat in this only has one eye. Uh, and... Um, yeah, it's a pretty adorable cat. But so I guess I thought it was okay. I thought I, I would have I would have liked if it had just stayed the course. I don't think I don't think you really need the court case thing. I don't know. So I'll say, okay. I'll say this. For, well, first off, Octavia Spencer does not need to be in this movie. There's like no, there's no. no reason besides the fact that she has a Fox Searchlight contract. There's no reason for her to be here. Like she no. she has nothing. And if you may recall this, remember uh, uh, David being on the show talking about hidden figures a few weeks back. He described yeah. he described Octavia Spencer's performance as going. Mm-hmm. As throughout the movie, which is right. That's basically what she does here. Like she just kind of like turns her head to the side and goes mm-hmm to like reflect on a scene, <laughs> um, which is not you know she's a good enough actress where she only really needs to do that to convey what goes on here. But it's like why are we wasting time having Octavia Spencer as this like sassy black neighbor? Like come on, what movie is this? Uh, but overall, I... is, that, is that what she is? She's a neighbor. Yeah, she's the na- she's the neighbor. She's not like a caretaker. No, she's a neighbor. Okay. Uh, she occasionally looks after. Mary, when like Chris Evans, like I want to go to the bar for a while because my life sucks. But um, (laughs) but but I I do think the movie's uh, pretty good. I I enjoyed it. I I think Chris Evans in particular, uh, taking a you know probably taking a much needed break from doing all the workouts he has to do for the Marvel movies. It's like okay, he can he can kind of settle down here and have this kind of laid back charisma that he's pretty good with, Um, and he handles that well, which I think serves the movie as a whole well because the there are a lot of you know kind of 
familiar plot elements that you get into involving like peter you just said the, the you know the legal battle and stuff and what i think helps is that chris evans has such a easy chemistry with a big chunk of this cast where you, and you have you know you have jenny slate like you mentioned you have Lindsay duncan plays the british grandmother um uh, speeds glenn Plummer pops in here tune man himself what? Oh, yeah, uh, that's right he plays he, he plays that. he plays his lawyer and what I like the most is that the the rapport really takes away from the the kind of cliched stuff where you're like it's not you know it's not like watching the judge where everything feels like super over the top but this movie kind of dabbles close to that where you have scenes like a prosecutor going hard after Chris Evans while there's a rainstorm outside the courtroom granted they're in Florida it rains there sometimes but I mean there's <laughs> there's scenes like that where it's like okay we're doing like the you know Kramer versus Kramer let's into modern times now and what have you but. You have a Kramer versus Kramer is an amazing movie. It is, but no, but but you know, it's the kind of movie where every other movie that has like legal custody battles kind of takes off from. Um, so it's so it you know, yes. feels familiar after a while. But what it's saying that it's, you have scenes like Chris Evans with Glenn Plummer, Chris Evans with Lindsay Duncan, who, you know, like Lindsay Duncan in particular, they they basically put, you know, she's the antagonist of the film and he's her son, but, but you get this you get a moment between the two where they're like they're talking about things and it seems like in a different movie they wouldn't have a need to be against each other so hard or in a different story and i like that because it shows me that these are intelligent people that aren't inherently bad and i think that's what the movie has yeah, going for it best I, I think the movie has a lot of nice people in it that are generally trying to do the best for this little girl like that's the overall goal here there's some drive to do things perhaps not the the best way which even I think the movie kind of explores of Chris Evans' part because he's basically denying his he's attempting to deny his child you know a school that would challenge her for the sake of letting her be a kid and I think that's a that's a difficult thing to do as far as letting someone you know experience life in a way that doesn't revolve around the natural intellect they may have like is, is he himself also pretty gifted like uh like his sister and it, uh, and her daughter it gets into that I so that so basically he's like oh I I've experienced that so I'll 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 let her, I'll raise her the other way. I won't way. dig too far into it for people that want to see the movie, sure, but sure. I, I will say that that is a, that is a possible element that okay, plays a role. Cool. All right. Um, but no, I think overall it's 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 fine. Like I I yeah, it's not going to win any points for originality, but as you know, as far as a a smaller movie like this, it, it's it's good. It's not great. I think Mark Webb, the, the, I mean, subtract Spider-Man films, which I also I also liked. I would would say well, I think two in particular I think has more going on that people seem to want to give it credit for. Um, but the compared to 500 days of summer where his style really or you know a sense of style really rings out as far as what he's doing with the the filmmaking there having you know the musical numbers and the ex expectations versus reality scene and what have you that's not really here it's a good looking film it's well shot and what have you but there's not much of like that music video style and mark webb's a huge music video director that was like his thing before he made movies that there's not too much of that here it just feels more like a you know a character a small character study which is fine but yeah it's Nothing amazing, but it still it was it was fun overall. Okay, let's uh all right, let's move back into a film that more of us have seen. Now let's get to Song to Song. Um, this is the mm -hmm. latest Terrence Malick film. I mentioned it briefly a few weeks back, um, but it stars Ryan Gosling, Rini Mara, and Christian Bale, and features a host of supporting performances. Some that didn't even make the film. I'm speaking to uh, a. <laughs> um, or did I say Christian Bale? I meant Michael Fassbender. Christian I'm Bale. sorry. I meant yeah, Michael... I'm sorry. Bale. Sorry, Michael Fassbender, not Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> that's my bad. Yeah, I was like, he's the one that's not in the movie at all. And he shot scenes for it. That's my bad. Yes, Michael Fassbender, <laughs> uh, Ryan Gosling, and Rooney Mara. Um, the film, as opposed to Night of Cups, which was about kind of a, a movie producer wandering through life, this is about several people involved in the music music industry 
wandering through life. That's <laughs> there's only so much I could say about a plot in a Terrence Malick film. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go start with Yancey here. Yancey, what would you think of Song to Song? Which you've seen twice apparently. Song to Song, I saw twice, and the reason I saw it twice is because I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan, and I know that he is not going to waste my time. So I've liked every movie of his that he's. I've liked every movie he's made eventually. And that doesn't mean I force myself to like them, but it means that his movies are very dense and they're very different in their rhythms from all the other movies we see. And it's very easy to just go, I don't like this. It's a perfume commercial. Um, <laughs> I saw it the second time. I saw it the second time because I knew I would get more out of it the second time because I wouldn't be as focused on what was happening. And sure enough, the second time I really, really liked it. I think it does feel like the third part of this trilogy he's made. And in a very obvious way, into the wonder sort of starts in the Oklahoma sort of oil fields. And this movie sort of ends in that sort of in that sort of an idea. And there's a way you can sort of trace the Ben Affleck character in, into the wonder through Christian Bale in Night of Cups and into Michael Fassbender in this song to song. I'm not going to bother defending it because it's, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But I do think that Terrence Malick is someone who has proven himself that if he's got a new movie, it, sh- it shouldn't be so easily dismissed so quickly. I would hate to have to write the review the next day after seeing a Terrence Malick movie. It's absurd to me that so many people were so quick to uh, to trash the movie uh, with a real a- anger, it seemed. Um, mm. And it, it sort of seems counterintuitive when we know this is not a, this is not a, this is a serious filmmaker and he's doing something. And if he's doing something new that we don't understand yet, it's kind of our job to figure it out if we know that he's an interesting artist. We already know he's interesting. He's not wasting our time. Let's figure this out, which I did. I think it's a very simple movie. I think if anyone had not been corrupted by the idea that there are rules to movies, you could easily follow uh, song to song. It's just a pretty simple love triangle about young people. Um, mm. It's not perfect. Uh, it, it, it's it's not my favorite of his films, but it's uh, my favorite movie of this year so far. And I'm sure it's like a religion. It's almost like a, like when, when religious people speak about their religion. It, I almost feel weird talking about Terrence Malick movies because I'm I'm not. I don't like to be. I don't try to be objective in general about art, but I'm especially not objective about this guy. I just go with what he has to show me because I think he's like a. I think he's the greatest living filmmaker. So that's that. <laughs> anyway. Speaking as one of the guys okay. that did have to write a review very soon after seeing the movie. Um, I I largely agree with what you're saying because I I don't dislike this movie. I do think it's I I, I think it's very. It's good, but it's more of it's not it's not about being good or bad. It's more about I very I enjoy exactly. I enjoy being absorbed into a world of Malick movies. I it's yes. an experience that you don't get very often, except apparently recently he's like let me just turn one out all the time now. Um, but when you do, it's you know it's going to be a unique experience. I do not put it upon anyone that you know just doesn't jive with what he's doing, uh, regardless if you're a professional film critic or if you're just a random person walking into a movie. It's not it's that's not about that. It's just about you know if you willing to get into the the zone that Malik is creating for you then hopefully you can embrace it and I, for the most part I would say I did I it, it certainly meanders and it goes in and out of having a, any kind of kind of narrative flow if you want to really ascribe by that as for a movie like this but given I disagree second time I saw it everything is very linear it all makes sense it goes on for 20 minutes too long in the middle I'll agree I think it could be 20, 20 minutes shorter but it seemed very linear and simple to me is that, I mean I'm not speaking to the linear I mean it's a, it's a hard thing to kind of nail down in words as far as what but it's it's there's you know what I'm saying when it's it, it's there's a if you're speaking to kind of traditionalist cinema, it's certainly defying that in its own way. Is that fair? Certainly, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Uh, I think people understand that if you're if you're if you're watching Terrence Malick often uses the part, you know, after you say cut, and the actor stops acting, that's the beginning of the part he'll use in the movie <laughs> when you, if you're not acting anymore. That, he does that. That explains Val Kilmer. 
uh, who shows up in this movie and is hilarious in his brief role, yes, um, which I think is purposeful. And that's something I actually wanted to highlight about this movie. There is, dare I say, humor in this movie where oh, I wouldn't yeah, say, sure. I mean, I wouldn't say Terrence Malick is, you know, not at all able to kind of inject his films of humor. I do think there's humorous moments in previous films of his uh but this one he's one of the few guys who doesn't need it actually. Does, yeah doesn't need it but it can be found there there's some funny lines in thin red line in a very serious movie like that but um i, I laugh a lot at nick nolte stuff because it's so wonderfully intense yeah but for this movie i when the cannon's going off behind him and he's yelling yeah i laugh every time for, for this movie you have scenes with random val kilmer destroying stuff or ryan gosling who i think he has he has a yeah he has a charm to him which i think he's ryan gosling that's not surprising but there's a kind of there's a way he deadpans his looks that they're not, you know, nice guys level of like absurdity, but there's certainly a kind of a, a glint in his eye of like, not that he's winking at the camera, but that he's kind of, there's, he's kind of going along with this flow of things and having a good time doing it. And I think that, I think that shows in this movie where everyone else. Yeah. I think he and Fassbender both yeah. seem to jive with that plan of Malick's. I mean, Fassbender does like an audition for the next Apes movie in this movie. I mean, that's, that's like, yeah. Jules and Jim sequence there. It's great. I, but yeah, so I'm speaking to, I, I do think as a, dare I say a hangout movie, it kind of, it works for what it's doing. Like it's, it's yeah. not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's Malik's best. Um, it, it might be since, uh, since um, Tree of Life, the three that have followed, not including the documentary, um, uh, to, Which I to, to the Wonder, Knight of Cups, and this, this might be the best one. Um, I, I did like Knight of Cups quite a bit though. And I think because I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm so film inclined. I kind of responded to that just by nature of myself. But this one, I do think has a something, something more of a. There's a, I don't know, a watchability factor that makes the me reality too. Yeah, it, ma- it makes it more of one that I'm probably more willing to rewatch in the future as opposed to yeah, the other two. Like to the wonder, I do think is his weakest film, and it's not one where I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've seen it so many times; it gets better every single time. <laughs> every time it gets exponentially better. It's a Wait, you think To the Wonders is weakest film for me? It compared compared to film. what? Just like, how great he is. Uh, you know, the one that I could never get into is, uh, and I know Yancey's gonna get mad, but because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I really like all three of these. I I like Night of Cups, To the Wonder. And song to song, I think they're all terrific. Um, and of course, I love Tree of Life. I'm not a huge New World fan. Um, I I don't know. New World never really did. To be fair, only saw it once. I'm sure Yancey's seen it way more. And there's also the, the other the other the director's times. cut of that movie and all kinds of things. So, I mean, do you both prefer New New World to he's these recent movies? Yes. Not necessarily. Not me. Not necessarily. I so you, wait. Aaron, you're saying yes. I, yes, I do. I think, and it's a mix of just my own interest in the the that story and having been a history major, as well as just I think the the movie. And it's not like any Malick film looks bad, but New World is a spectacular looking film. Just the cinematography in that movie is incredible. You can't deny that his nature stuff is the best. That's where. Yeah, I mean, so it's you know, there's a whole movie about you know nature before there was anything around it. So it's like, I mean, it's shot in Virginia. How can there be places in America that look like that? Only for Terrence Malick would there be places like that. I I love. I mean, aren't these new movies direct? uh, Isn't that Emmanuel? Yeah, they're all Chivo. The new world's where it started. That was his first one. Wait, what? The new world was yeah. The new world was his first one where he used to. Lebeski's. So. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Everyone since. Um, I, you know, I I really like Song to Song too. It, and I know earlier we were talking about our favorite movie of the year, and I said John Wick, um, Chapter Two. 
Uh, and I do, <laughs> I do love John Wick. It's always really weird for me with uh, Malik. I felt the same way with Knight of Cups last year, where I just don't. It's weird because I, I feel like so many, so many movies are of a certain type of movie, and it feels strange to rate or to rank. Uh, Malik movies, except within Malik's realm, so it feels so. That's why I didn't say oh, song to song, because I I thought song to song was terrific. Um, but it's but I mean that's I mean I mean that is the highest compliment. Like I mean I agree with Yancy and you that it's just like well look if if this is not your thing or whatever then you're probably not going to get into you know if you didn't like to the wonder or whatever or Tree of Life you're not going to get into this one. But I like what you're saying. I I, I do like that notion of like when an actor or when the director yells cut, this is the, these are the moments that we normally wouldn't see, you know, and like, that's, I mean, that's what I really love. And man, the way he evokes, like, I don't know, like uh, emotion and ideas with landscapes, which is probably what you guys are talking about. A lot of nature. It's really pretty great, man. I mean like that. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anybody else that's on that level. Which is why these three of these last have been weird for people is because all of a sudden it's Malik in the city. And it's good to see him finally get back to, to the to the nature at the end of Song to Song. It's like, oh, yeah, give me that nature, Terry. <laughs> Just gorgeous things like, you know, I mean, some of the same detractors thought about that with Tree of Life, though, if the and, and that, you know, still included lengthy scenes of Sean Penn wandering around nature and just the nature. I mean, that obviously that movie, had... the new world is the first one where he started to really be challenging. And really not give the audience a linear thing. You have to figure it out what's going on. No one's telling you what's going on. I mean, on. I, I just, go back to days. days even Days of movie. Heaven is not the most. There's a there's a lot of silence in that movie compared to the, what he's showing you in sure. that movie. I, I don't. I mean, it's obviously these films they stick out more. I mean, they're more recent for one thing, and they're coming after. You know, he he started off making a film every so often. Now it's like Malik's churning them out all the time, even though this one was shot. Well, he was gone for twenty years. My God, thank God he's churning them out. I hate to. For, I became a fan of Malik when he was gone. And I'm like, who is this guy? He made two amazing <laughs> movies and he hasn't been in 15 years, no movies. And then all of a sudden this torrent, I, I think he's, I, you know, I think he's, like I said, I think he's the greatest. I wonder if it's almost in regards to response to these latest films. I wonder if it's like a, like, you know, too much of the, too much of the Fonz type of thing where it's like, you're getting all this cool coming at you and you're not sure how to handle it necessarily. Cause sure. Any <laughs> filmmaker who makes a movie every year, every couple of years is going to start getting bad reviews. People just get tired of you, whether you're good or not. That's weird. That's how people are. If Woody Allen only made three movies in the last 15 years, they would all have gotten great reviews. People get tired of seeing a movie every year from Woody yeah. Allen and P- not from parents. P- people, I don't. People, <laughs> People yeah. would have really loved um, Cassandra. What's Cass- the one with Colin Farrell and Hugh McGregor? Uh, Cassandra's. Oh, yeah, that was great. Cassandra's Dream. Have you guys seen Yeah, that's that? not a good movie. You're wrong. Um, but... <laughs> Cassandra's Dream is a very powerful movie, man. I love that. That's the best. Powerfully boring. That's, that's, the, that's the pull quote on that one, I think. Is the... yeah, I think that movie's terrific. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. I know you're a huge I'm, Woody I'm, Allen fan, and that movie is not terrible. It's just like I, I, I just I the idea of like Woody if Woody Allen went away for like 15 years, came back with that movie, <laughs> just be like, oh, that would be that would be strange. But I think if he'd done Match Point, it would have been received. I mean, Match Point was received very well. But if he just made Match Point, Midnight in Paris, and Blue Jasmine, his reputation would be better than if he'd made these sort of sketchier ones. Me, I'll take the sketchier ones too because he's going to be dead someday and. We'll be able to make anything, so I'll take what he can get, whatever he's if got. He, you if know? he only made Match Point after like 15 years, it'd be like, what? This guy? He just what remade half of Crimes and Misdemeanors. Don't care. Move on. That's what I. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's Crimes true. and Misdemeanors that's is my. Like, that, oh, that's my favorite Allen film. That's why I point that out. Because <laughs> I do like Match Point. It's just like, well, 
I mean, this is good, yeah. but I saw this it's in 89. Not, it is Crimes and Misdemeanors, which is his best movie. Which well, means it's one of the best movies anybody ever made. I think Match Point's pretty great. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's totally Crime, great. Crime, 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 is a great filmmaker. Crime, Crimes is an A-plus, I guess. But, I mean, like, they're both pretty. The man's got two A-plus. Peter, more than just Peter, right. if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. <laughs> Alan Aldrich, God, he's so good in that. Oh, movie. that's right. <laughs> So this has been our thoughts on Crimes and Misdemeanors by Woody Allen. Let's uh, no, okay. Any other thoughts on <laughs> any other thoughts on song to song before we uh, before we move on? I think if people who think they, I think it's irresponsible of critics to say this is terrible when when they know that it's just sort of different. I think if more people were exposed to a movie like that, I think some of them would probably like it because it does mm. capture a sort of rambling, youthful, fun thing. You know, like that's rambling funny. is certainly a, a key part that I don't think people just don't quite respond to in general and i and, and it's it's neat to observe both the you know again professional critics as well as random moviegoers uh you know kind of ha- have a degree of response to what terrence malick's putting out there um but let's move on we, i think we, we, we got it 20 years yeah. from now they'll all be well we'll see we'll see where the where history history will t- time will tell on this um let's move on to another one uh, which only i've seen before we move on to something that Abe's actually seen, we get him into this conversation. No worries, no worries. I'm enjoying this. I, I like having some quips, <laughs> but uh, I like hearing your uh, your Malik talk. But uh, <laughs> I was able to uh, see The Zookeeper's Wife this weekend with my lovely girlfriend. Um, we were able to watch this latest film starring Jessica Chastain, uh, directed by Nikki Caro, who directed The uh, Whale Rider uh, way back in uh, 2003. Oh, uh, I liked Whale Rider. North Country? That was Did North show. Country, Charlie uh, Theron, did uh, McFarland USA just a couple years ago, which I believe, Abe, you liked, right? Yeah, I like that, yeah. It has Kevin Costner, so obviously I did not go out of my way to see it. But, um... <laughs> That's not why I watched it. <laughs> he is not the reason. like Costner? I like Costner. But uh, we don't need to get into that. We've done it enough on this podcast. But, um... <laughs> We, don't, like we need to start this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, The Zookeeper's Wife, um, it's based off a true story and a novel, which was adapted from the true story, um, of this uh, this um, Polish couple in uh, 1939 Poland um, who ran a zoo. Uh, it's Jessica Chastain and another actor, Johan Heldenberg. Um, Jessica Chastain is the, the wife of the zookeeper, hence the title. Ha 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 ha. And, um, the, you know, war strikes uh, by way of Nazis invading Poland. He might have heard about this. I don't know if you heard about it, but he did. That's what happened. Because of that, yep. the zoo essentially gets sacked, which is unfortunate. And it eventually leads to uh, the zookeepers uh, taking on uh, uh, Jewish refugees, essentially, hiding them inside the zoo. Um, and the kind of the pitfalls of doing, of you know, attempting some kind of feat such as that. Um, as a you know, there's a there's another there's a main SS soldier uh, played by Daniel Bruhl of Rush fame, uh, and Inglorious Bastards actually speaking of Nazis, um, he's Hitler zoologist and he tries to you know have his own kind of schemes going on in the zoo, all while Jessica Chastain is you know hiding Jews within the zoo itself. Um, the movie, it's okay. There's you know you can't, you get to these Holocaust stories, and there's 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 a lot you can do with them. And there's a lot you can do wrong with them, and there's a lot you can do right with them. There's obviously some big examples of what you know how to do it right, and there's others that feel a little bit cloying, or a little bit you know underwhelming, or just don't have quite the impact that you really you know can get out of a film like this. And I think this one sits very much in the middle. It, it's it has some moments that are they're more they're I would almost I'd hesitate to say manipulative, but you know you have a zoo which implies that there's probably going to be some animals in danger, and so that inherently gets you to be excitable about seeing something like that take place 
Um, and, and by doing that, it seems like some, somewhat of a narrative shortcut to get you kind of emotional to where the film eventually goes. It doesn't quite have the impact of something like Son of Saul from a couple years ago, which is an absolutely terrific film for a variety of reasons. Uh, but at the same time, it's not too it's not too much like you can see something like this. You can look at a poster and be like, well, that's going to be like a, fu- a family friendly version of the Holocaust. And it's not that there's there's enough intensity here that a family friendly version of the Holocaust. There, there's move. There are movies like that. That kind phrase, of phrase of the there's, year. <laughs> there's movies like that that kind of tone down the impact of something like the Holocaust. Sure. And I wouldn't yeah. say this one tones it down too much to make you, you know, to, to make it too easy for anybody to just walk in and watch it. But, you know, it's not hard hitting either. So it just it 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 tells the story. It's an interesting story, but it's it doesn't feel like it's it's essential viewing. Chastain's good because she's a good actress, so it's like it's not surprising. I would say her the actor that plays her husband, uh, uh, Johan Heldenberg, he does a really good job. I I might have seen this actor in like a few supporting things or something over the years, but like this he's it's a larger role, and and he's probably more known in you know films I haven't seen that are over in 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 Europe essentially, but. Uh, and here he he was he, he impressed me. I would not be surprised if I if I saw him in more things based off this film and his performance here. And Andrew Brule's good too. I mean he's he plays an asshole because he's an evil Nazi, but you know he's 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 done that. He's, Seems to be his type. Yeah, playing an asshole. <laughs> yeah, playing an asshole. Yeah. He was a likable asshole in Rush, though. I mean he, he, he Yeah, he, I was like that Rush role really really secured that yeah. for him. Oh, uh, but yeah, it's you know it's it's not essential, but if you if if it comes out on like it's it'd be a good like Blu-ray or Netflix if you're like oh there's that movie. good score. Yeah, overall. Yes, it's an overall. Oh, oh, as far as like the the music, Act, actually yeah, yes, movie. because it's Harry Gregson Williams. Seems like, seems like a movie that looked like it. It's has Harry one. Gregson Williams. He, he's you know he's from the Hans Zimmer school of musicians, and yeah, he, he, uh, has, he has a okay. good job with it. You know, it's no John Williams Schindler's List action, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good score. <laughs> but yeah, that's the Zookeeper's Wife. Let's move on now. Let's uh let's get to something Abe you've seen now. One of the uh, recent Netflix releases, which was. I believe the audience award winner at uh, Sundance Film Festival. I don't, yeah. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's the uh, debut film from writer director Macon Blair, who previously starred in the films of Jeremy Jeremy Saunier, Green Room, Murder Party, Blue Ruin. Um, this is a film directed written by him now, who certainly seems to have learned a lot from Saunier as far as what this film's accomplishing. It uh, has Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood. It's something of a a quirky crime comedy, to put it lightly, uh, but kinda, yeah. I, I think if it's a other genre, genre uh, details as well. But uh, I'll, I'll jump into that uh, in a well, second. Why don't you talk about it now? What do you, you think of the movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie I think is uh, it's average, and what I mean by that is uh, just to give you some backstory. So the lead is uh, Melanie Linsky, and you've seen her as character actress roles. Um, I think uh, she was like the sister in uh, Up in the Air. And uh, I don't know. If you see the a HBO photo, series like, oh, uh, Togetherness, uh, she was the star of yeah. uh, Heavenly Creatures from a long time ago. Peter Jackson, she's the star of that. That's where she kind of debuted yeah. and stuff. But yeah, you'd recognize her. And uh, right, yeah, you definitely would. But in, in this movie, she's a woman that that continually gets stomped on or or pushed aside by people, and she's kind of growing tired of it. And uh, after her home gets burglarized, she basically just takes things in her own hands when the police kind of tell her that that they can't really help her out anymore because they, they don't have evidence or, or they, they just are busy with other things. Uh, and so matters kind of get worse when she weaves herself into like this band of robbers, these like hillbilly band of robbers and, and their crimes. But, um, like what I said, I, I think the movie is kind of average and it was a, it's a strong dark comedy with blends and hints of it, but then it, it gets serious. And in those serious moments, it gets a little bit too carried away with that seriousness and it doesn't really ever come back to, 
I think what the director uh, was writing the previous parts of the movie. So it's kind of unfortunate there. Um, I mean, the characters are, are really the thing to pick out in this movie. I mean, again, we talked about Melanie and I think that she, she doesn't really have any like life affirming thoughts at the end of the movie um, about why she's feeling this way or, or what's going on with her. Uh, and the new movie never really gets into that subject matter anyway. So that's kind of a, a unfortunate. Elijah Wood's like this really offbeat character that is like offbeat all the time. There's no real arc to his character either. And it's unfortunate because I, while I was watching the movie, the, the movie that came to mind a lot was Super by James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, with Rain, yeah. Rain and that movie has uh, – it's, it's not a perfect movie either, but at least that one has this whole entire notion of why this character is doing what he's doing. And it actually ends up in a place where the character feels better about what they did even though they know that it was a terrible – that he's done terrible things. And this movie, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It doesn't really give me that sense of, you know, I, I don't, I really wouldn't call it satisfaction because it's just like vigilante shit that she does. Um, and it gets really, really crazy at some parts. But, uh, yeah, it was really interesting about the Sundance uh, audience or grand jury winner, I think, uh, that yeah, it grand won. Grand jury prize. And yeah, so, for dramatic competition. I, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really interesting that it won that because uh, I, I kind of didn't see it. But then again, I don't know. I I, I I didn't make the movie. But what'd you think, Aaron? Uh, first, P- Peter, Nancy, you guys haven't seen this movie, correct? No. Okay. I have Just not. Just to chime in with questions. Yeah. Are, yeah. are you guys fans of uh, what Saulnier has done with Green Room and Blue Room? Have you, are you seen, familiar? I do like those two. Yes, I do like both of them. Both both good. Uh, yeah, both good. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I as I mentioned, I, I, Macon Blair, who he's you know he's he's the star of Blue Room and he's a co-star in uh, Green Room and quite good in Green Room in that in the small mm-hmm. role. Um, he certainly learned a lot from Saulnier this time around, and and that, that i mean uh, overall that doesn't mean much because it's a, it's its own movie but what i what i'm gathering from this one is that he really in addition to liking his friend Jeremy Saldia he really likes the Cohen brothers because it feels a lot like uh you know there's a lot of elements that you can see in something like Blood Simple or Raising Arizona in this movie and that works to a point because i think the movie does it it does it it is enjoyable to a degree. I think there's this, and that's a great pull of James Gunn's Super. I think because I think James Gunn in his you know non Guardians of the Galaxy movies, there there's a a great sense of dark humor that runs throughout them, uh, with Slither <clears throat> as well. Um, that, that I think it it's it's really hard to put, and even like the Belko experiment, which he co-wrote, there's or he wrote, yeah, he right, indirect. There's a there's a really fine line of perfecting that kind of comedy where you you have to take the violence serious to a certain level. You have to be able to laugh at some really dark moments. And you also have to appreciate, you know, what the, the character journey is. And I think this film, it hits some of those things well, but some of those things not so well. And I think the character journey starts out quite interesting, but doesn't quite fully mm-hmm. deliver on it. I think it, it doesn't give you a, you, you kind of, you, not that every movie needs to end with like a, what did we learn type moment, but it feels like this one could use one and it doesn't have it. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what, what I was getting to. It was just like, I guess it's okay to, to go and get your, your stuff that's stolen back and kill a bunch of people. But I don't think that's what he's trying well, to say. I mean, cause there's, yeah, there's violence in this movie and when it happens, it's very jarring on purpose. Right. At which can be, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, a pitch black humor to that kind of approach. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, and it's funny because we were just talking about song to song, which, you know, and so you're talking about how 
that's not a movie that's really flowing on like what movies are supposed to quote unquote supposed to be in terms right, of traditionalism. Right, right. And th- this is a film where it's not it's not trying to achieve that to any level, but it certainly it's it seems like it's it's flowing on its own kind of rhythm of like these characters and their quirky dialogue and whatnot. With, with it, but it just doesn't find a way to kind of wrap itself up more conclusively beyond right. just like all right. Well, we we have a certain set of characters, and they need to do certain things, and so they've done them. But now what? And that's you know, it kind of ends on a question mark of like, okay, so why did I watch this? Like, what did I get out of it? Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I got. I mean, making Blair again. There's there's humor in it, and I'll, I'll give you an example of a scene where there's a a huge host of folks, and there's kind of like this like standoff, and there's there's a person that vomits for a very long time, this person that pees their pants, but that that doesn't really come across as like the humor is there, but Again, the scene is is kind of funky in that it doesn't really give you a sense of well, this is supposed to be it's supposed to be really funny or it's supposed to be really uh, dark or I don't even know what it it just becomes like this thing where Making Blair decided to write uh, the standoff and have people just doing various things ultimately for no no real big payoff. But the film is available on Netflix. Watch instantly. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah, so you can watch so it right away. Yeah. And let us know. And what I do you think it's enjoyable. I, I I think it's worth watching, especially because it's only like ninety minutes. Like it's not a. It's yeah. It's very short. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's uh let's move off that and get to, let's move get on. to the next film, The Discovery, which is also available currently on Netflix. This also had its premiere at Sundance. It is from director Charlie McDowell, who previously directed The One I Love with um, Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. This film has Jason Segel, Rooney Mara, Jesse Plemons, Riley Coe, and Robert Redford because he stops by to do movies every now and then. Still, he does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know Peter and I, we've seen this film, correct? Nobody else saw The Discovery? I've no. seen it, yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah, Peter and I. Okay, so Peter, why don't you tell us your thoughts on The Discovery? Or why, why don't you, can you briefly describe what it is and then go into it? Well, yeah, I mean, this, The Discovery is about, uh, Robert Redford character uh, is a scientist who for 40 years has been working on basically one thing. And in the beginning of the movie, it's been, I think, about a year since his discovery and the discovery is that he's claiming that he has definitive proof of the after of, of an afterlife. He's not saying it's heaven or hell or or whatever religion, but he's saying that when you die, you go somewhere else. Whatever your whatever you want to consider your essence, you go to somewhere else. So of course, the downside to this is that people have started killing themselves in mass suicides because people want to just restart their life. They're just like, well, f this, I'm out of here. Jason Segel plays the lead. And um, he is uh, Redford's son, one of two sons. Um, and Rooney Mara is a person who he kind of runs into. And the bulk of the movie is essentially at the compound, would you yeah, say? Yeah, it's like an island Redford. that Robert Redford seems to own and has a mansion on where he can kind of further do research on this discovery. It's a very if – you've, if you've seen Sound of My Voice or any of those movies that Britt Marling – or uh, The OA, which is on Netflix also with Britt Marling – these kind of uh, 2000s movies that are kind of – they have these somewhat science fiction ideas and they're always kind of a little muted. Like they're not super melodramatic. It, it, ha- uh, it presents you with like something of a – not necessarily a high concept, but it certainly gives you like a big idea and explores that through like indie roots. Yes, yes. I'm a big fan of Sound of My Voice and um, – I, I like a lot of these. I, I haven't finished the OA, um, so I was very curious. So the discovery Which has a lot of comic with this, it, come to think yeah. of it, actually. Um, if you, by totally the time you does. finish the yeah. OA, you'll definitely see why. But go on. Oh, oh okay. I mean, it, but definitely the, the – there's also the idea – all these stories, for some reason, and they're different writers and filmmakers, but they all also have a lot of um, themes with cults 
you know, with people who believe this thing and they are a collective uh, and everything. I know Yancey has seen Sound of My Voice. I don't know if he's seen some of these other movies like The East, but I'm a fan of this. Mm. Having, having said that, I liked The Discovery. Um, of course, it's great seeing Redford uh, and um, and the cast. Although I think, Aaron, you'll get into this. I'm not quite sure if Siegel works as well as maybe a different actor uh, would have. I watched this at like 4 a.m., um, so it was one. It was one of those movies where, it, in weird way, it it kind of fit to watch a movie like this in the middle of the night. But even though it's only an hour and forty minutes, there's definitely a part of me where I was kind of like, mm, I'm not really sure if this is completely engaging me. Is this going somewhere? But I wasn't sure if that was because it was four a.m. I was like, well, maybe that's because I'm not watching this at eight p.m. Um, overall, I liked it. Uh, I don't mm. think it. I mean, it's a weird thing with these Netflix things because it's like. You know, I'm not you're not being asked to pay twelve dollars at a theater or something. So I'm like, yeah, if you like this kind of thing, sure. You know, I like this kind of thing. So I told Yancey to check it out. But on the same end, I'm like, well, I'm not saying it's the best thing ever. But I don't know. What did you think? I largely agree with you. I, I do think they, the, the the nature of the release of the soul makes it easy to be like, well, I can get on board with this. It's a cool idea. It has a cast of people that I recognize and admire to some degree. Why would I not want to check this out? Ultimately, I do think it... I'll say that. Okay, so I think the beginning of this movie and the end of this movie are really good. I, I think it, it, mm. it presents an idea right away that you're intrigued by, and it ends in a way where I'm like, oh, okay, the, the way it closes things out is pretty cool. The middle of this movie I had issues with, mainly because the ending is so... Or the beginning is so good, and it sets up an expectation that you only get to by the end. Because you have the discovery, and... As opposed to some of these other, I mean, you mentioned like The Sound of My Voice or even like Another Earth, which also stars Britt Marley. The the concept of those movies, there's a lot to explore there based off what those movies are capable of doing. I don't know where they're going necessarily. The Sound of My Voice has, you know, it's like a, it involves a cult. Another Earth features another Earth. But it's like, well, how are we, how are we, what are we going to do to kind of fill the, t- the running time of this film to make this continually interesting about with these characters involved? The Discovery presents me some, with something that's so intriguing and solid that I'm like, well, inevitably, I have to do something involving that discovery, so why am I not getting there already? And I feel like the bulk of the movie is a big waiting game to get to something happening with what the discovery is. So in the meantime, I'm just dealing with very ugly scenes because the movie's set on, like, a northeastern island somewhere, and it's like, well, this is just, like, a, not a very good-looking movie <laughs> and as far as the aesthetic, um, where Jason Siegel and Rooney Mara and the other characters just kind of, like, hang out and talk about things and philosophize and whatnot, and I don't think it's the most particularly well-written um, stuff, the, the, the kind of philosophizing they do. Um, it's, not, it's not all that intriguing. There's some kind of deadpan comedy involving how... Robert Ripper needs to conduct his research and what the means are to procure said research subjects and what have you. Um, it's it's just stuff like that where mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't help but be a little like underwhelmed by what was going on. And one of my big problems is that Jason Siegel, who I otherwise like, and not just in comedies, but I do think like something like um, what's the one with him and um, Foster Wallace. Well, yeah, movie. that that's one too. The um, and end of the tour. tour. But what's that other one? The, the Duplass tour. Brothers one with him and Ed Helms. Um... Um, the Duplass yeah, Brothers, yeah, film? with him and Ed Helms. Right? Oh, um, uh, 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 John who lives at home, jo- or is it John, John who lives at home? Who lives... And that's it. That's the one. Jeff, Jeff who lives uh, at home. Jeff yeah. who lives at home. Like I've seen Siegel be good in dramatic features, and I don't think he's bad here, but I think he just isn't right for the role. And I and I'm aware, and that just doing some. Di- well, why is that? Like, gonna... is it too is it, is it 
more of a dramatic no, role? No, it's because again, I like, think he's capable of dramatic acting. I think just the the way he's presented here, it just the, the tone he has and whatnot. It just feels like he's. It feels like this isn't the part that he was supposed to be playing and doing some digging up some research just because it's available. I knew Nicholas Holt was apparently supposed to be the original lead character and he had to bow out like the last minute. And I think looking at thinking about that, I like Nicholas Holt uh, and I think he kind of would have fit in with this cast more. I think he has the kind of energy that this movie could have used where Jason Siegel, I like the I like his ambitions of wanting to take on something like this, but I just don't think he really he connects. Like, I don't think his chemistry with Mara is all Mm. that great. Um, and just his overall, the kind of vibe he has as a dramatic actor, it's, I mean, it's, it's good in itself, but as far as in this movie, it just doesn't quite fit as well as I, I would have wanted it to. Also just to, this isn't really a knock against uh-huh. Siegel, but I feel like he's constantly upstaged by, um, Jesse, is Jesse, it Jesse Plemons? Plemons, yeah. Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Who, man, that guy, he's really, he's very natural. He was on like, he's very natural. Yes. Friday Night Lights and Breaking Bad and, um. He's really good. Oh, Fargo. Fargo like, yeah. He's really he's really he's really made a niche for himself lately in this kind of disheveled, bearded, messed up guy. Like he, <laughs> he really nails that. He, like, he, has um, a, he has a quality and, about him that really kind of lends himself to a lot of different roles that are similar yeah. as far as what he's doing, but just fits in the roles that they're assigned to within the said you know, feature. And the other person, honestly, who kind of stood out was Robert Redford, because <laughs> something someone like Redford just seems so so much bigger than a movie like this where and it's mm-hmm. not like it's not his fault it's just more of like you know robert redford is a is a revered actor and for a number of reasons and while i don't think he's necessarily like one of the best actors of all time it's just more of like why is robert redford of all people like in this very tiny movie and it just seems kind of off well, like those even... netflix bucks are serious man <laughs> yeah and actually but i mean but I think you kind of need Redford in that kind of role because really he doesn't have that much screen time. And so like you need somebody like him. His for cachet, a yeah. I think, yeah, like I, mean, I, I think I, there's I, just more like there's I, other authoritative actors out there that could kind of have the presence but also not feel like, you know, like look how cool it is that we got Robert Redford to do our little indie movie. Like it just it just it just feels like a pull. It feels like, well, <laughs> I my because I because I knew a few people, I was able to get Redford into this movie as opposed to I definitely wanted Robert. You think Redford that's how do you think that's how some uh, Netflix executive felt when they made the ranch? They're like, oh, look how cool it is to get Sam Elliott in this role. I don't want to talk about the ranch ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I watched about five oh. minutes. It's like, yep, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, still, I don't know. I, I still I still think. I don't know. It, it, this is almost the opposite. This is kind of strange, but in a weird way, the discovery, a conversation about the discovery in these type of movies, this is going to sound like a weird thing, but it's in, it, it is in as a film lover, it is in a somewhat a, a similar conversation to me when Yancey was talking about Terrence Malick. Now, Terrence Malick obviously is, uh, you know, a, 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 a very gifted filmmaker and Yancey, yes, one of the best filmmakers we have. Um, but what's going on with sound of my voice and discovery, they're not on the level. However, there is something about these movies that I, I find them, um, I guess just for, and it's going to sound so generic, but I find them kind of fresh, you know, even, even with their flaws, because I would agree with everything Aaron is saying, there is something about it where I was like, mm, I'm still kind of interested in these kind of movies. I'm glad that these kind of movies are being made. Right. right now. I, 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 I agree with that yeah. because I, I mean, it's probably because it's probably because I like this kind of niche genre, whatever you want, you know, kind of a subgenre of sci-fi indie films. 
it's because yeah, I it's because I, I admire a lot of them so much that this is somewhat of a disappointment. Where even the previous film, the one I love, um, directed by the same by Charles McDowell, I thought that was a superior film for a variety of reasons. It just delivers on that plotting yeah. more, and something like and you mentioned Sound of My Voice. I think it's really solid. Another Earth. And even Melancholia, that's a different level. But, I mean, they're both kind of these existential movies about death. Oh, that's which what, those. Well, Melancholia, that's as far as Trier's. It is. That's, it's a, a, that's a different level. But, I mean, they're both. They're, but, that, but that and Another Earth came out the same year. They were both on my top ten list that year. I mean, there's uh, there's something that I appreciate about that kind of. The, st- the stakes involved in, a, in films like those as far as what they're exploring. And this film, I think, had the potential to do that given what the discovery is, which is an afterlife exists. And that's a that's – a, if a film's going to be that ambitious to set up that as its opening of like, by the way, guys, there's an afterlife out there and we found it. Like that's that, – that opens up so many possibilities and the one they choose to explore here just wasn't as interesting as it, as what – basically what the last 15 minutes set up where it's like, well, that – Did you figure – did you figure out the last 15 minutes? Because I, I will say I did no, not. No, and I wasn't trying to. But at the same time, I knew there was yeah. a – the film inevitably had to bring a, bring the characters to a certain point. Regardless of which character it was and the circumstances, it needed to get to a place. And I felt like it took too long getting to that place. How long is the movie? Uh, hour 40. Yeah. No, you know well, what? It's only it's only it's only like there. an hour thirty because there's seven minutes of credits. Because <laughs> I I was I, I was like clicking my <laughs> Netflix screen to see how much longer it was in the movie, and I'm like, oh, there's still another like fifteen minutes. So clearly there's gonna be, and it's like, oh, it's over. So so you were pleasantly surprised when the credits. <laughs> well, I was. It was more of like, huh? It's like, is that it? Is there gonna be a bonus scene after the credits? Because there's seven minutes here of credits, and this, it's a small movie. So it's like, what are we doing so long? There needs to be seven minutes of credits, but whatever. <laughs> Since I haven't seen this, let me just drop the uh, the name of another movie about the afterlife that I think is underrated and really good. And I bet you I'm the only guy on this of the four of us who liked it, which is Clint Eastwood's movie Hereafter. You know what? I like here. I liked Hereafter quite a bit. I felt like I was the one guy that liked Hereafter because it's like Matt Damon's doing his thing. Even Jay Moore gets a solid dramatic performance in this movie. Yep, Jay Moore. Yep, very good movie. And that that because that's in that stretch of Eastwood movies where I'm like Eastwood's just not really doing it for me. It was like, oh, that's a good one. Like that's. Oh, they all do. The only one I didn't love was the soccer one. The other, the rest of them I. Oh, you can you could take Jedger and have it for yourself then. I didn't want to Jedger. see when I went to see Jagger with Pete I so didn't want to see it that I leapt out of the car instead of going to the screening <laughs> dramatic saw, did I you do the dramatic lot. roll too while the car exploded I just I just like can't do two and a half hours of and I love Clint Eastwood and I love DiCaprio I do think that movie is really good too though I wish I'd gone uh, to see it because later I caught up with it and I think it's pretty pretty compelling uh, I think he's another great living filmmaker oh you talking about Invictus that, that's the, that's the, no, that's the like soccer Invictus. one yeah that's the Invictus soccer is good. Like, because I was like, "What is he? What soccer is he talking about?" Yeah, I don't think Invictus is soccer. I think that's uh, rugby. Sorry, ru- rugby. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, I think so. rugby. Hey, yeah, thank you. Sorry, I, I was so I was so entranced by Academy Award nominee Matt Damon's blue eyes in that movie that I, I forgot. Yeah, that poster. Beautiful blue eyes. That's what it was originally called. It was originally called Mickey Blue Eyes. That's what, but um, they, yeah. they changed. <laughs> that's that's what it was they changed, about. They changed the title. <laughs> that totally would have uh, crushed in the theaters. <laughs> That was that was the year where District Nine was the was the the better uh, apartheid story than the one about apartheid. Mm. Not sure I agree, but okay. It's good. <laughs> it's just, so now District Nine's worse than Invictus. That's where you're going with. You're gonna stick I'm, with that I'm one. I like Invictus. Down to I get them really on for later shows. I did well, not I like, really no, like District, District Nine. District Nine. I thought District Nine was great, but I Yancey always gets on me about. There's certain movies I will see, and I only see them once, and I love them. And he's always thinking. He's always kind of prodding me that. 
it's it, that I'm a little afraid to rewatch them. The Paranormal Activity, I loved. I only watched it once. District 9 would be another one where I'm like, this movie's amazing, but I've only watched well, I've it once. Four. Seen, and you're afraid if you watch it again. I've seen District like 9 it. like three or four times, and I do think it's amazing. So there you go. I like District 9. I've seen it, uh, yeah, three times. What about Paranormal Activity? Uh, but the only Paranormal Activity movie I've seen twice is Paranormal Activity 3, because that's the best one. Yeah, same. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is that the VHS that's, one? Yes, that's all with the that's, oscillating fan yeah. cam, which is great. Oh, that is pretty good. I did like, yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Um, it's the yeah. one where it's like, fuck it, they're not real movies, and we know it. Let's have credits at the end of them instead of signing that's, away our release. Yeah, that's <laughs> fun of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's embrace the fact that we're making a movie and not just presenting it as found footage. I love yeah. the I love the idea one. that there's like two there's like three people out there that are like Paranormal Activity two what there's another found footage movie that actually happened that happens to be a sequel to the previous one that's that those people are dumb but um... <laughs> they're out of there yeah those folks are the ones that believe the uh, the credits where it's like and the, they were never found they're the again. ones that spend their weekend still looking for the kids from the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Right. Oh, you're saying that yeah. people who believe the first one was real would also somehow believe the that there's a, real. that there's a right. sequel and it's also that? real and involves the Why same characters. Yeah, well, I, I tell the whole story in one shot. <laughs> you know what, what's weird is like there actually are people that probably believe that. So you know we're not we're not trying to alienate those listeners. But if you uh, if you've seen those movies, they're they're movies. They're works of fiction. <laughs> trying to alienate anybody, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't speak for you guys. It's your show. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so There's something it, those guys might like better. Good point. Yeah, there was an interesting point you guys brought up of like, hey, you know, when should you watch the Discovery kind of thing? But it's like it's it's on Netflix and you already pay for it, so should you? Like, would you say check I mean, it out? I think that. It... There's a lot of things that come out on Netflix on a weekly basis, and I, I, I think if you're intrigued by this premise, I think you should check it out just because it's worth watching um, for that alone. But it's it's not as – if I was to take it out of the scale of you know how it's, how readily available it is, if I was going to put it against you know the films by you know Zalbat Mangalish who did The East and Sound of My Voice and what have you, or or the or the other ones from uh, was Another Earth and – so those other, I think the, those films that uh, they're more successful at accomplishing what they're doing on that scale than this one is. Uh, so it's, you know, you can find those on Netflix also, I believe. So there you go. Okay, true. Good point. So let's uh, let's move on to the to another film here, another uh, recent release in America. I know this film has been it's, making uh, making that money I... overseas, oh. but it's finally yeah. found its way to get a pretty sizable release over here. It was in like three theaters near me yeah. this weekend. Uh, it was in at least six theaters. Yeah, near so me. that's that's pretty good for a film like this. It's Your Name, yeah. the the blockbuster anime for out of Japan. Uh, but I have I right. have not seen this film, but I know Peter and Abe, you guys have. So Abe, why don't yeah. you go into what this film is about? Sure. So yeah, Your Name is a, is a feature length uh, Japanese Japanese anime movie. Um, IMDb writes that it's uh, two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way. When a connection forms, will distance be the only thing that keeps them apart? And essentially, it's a it's a story about a teenage boy and teenage girl who switch places when they go to sleep they they basically take it over each other's lives and i'm gonna be super vague with this because there's like some cool uh things that they do it's a with freaky it and, friday uh, kind of <laughs> yeah so it, it actually uh, it starts out that way and it it is uh you know what's neat about it is first of all the animation is very good and uh it's written by uh makoto Shina, uh, shinkai which is also the director of this movie, so he basically adapted his own novel, wrote the screenplay, and then <laughs> directed this uh, Japanese anime, which is a, a, it sounds like a monumental feat, uh, to be honest with you. But um, I watched it in in a subtitle, which is the, usually the way that I like to watch uh, uh, Japanese anime films, 
And I thought the voice acting was all right. I couldn't really tell. But uh, I like the story because of what happens after the Freaky Friday stuff kind of uh, comes into effect and you kind of get a sense of it. And then it goes deeper. I was actually emotionally attached at some points. And I, I was surprised by how emotionally attached I was. And then there's there's still like 30 minutes left of the movie. And I was like, where where else could it go here? And uh, it, it managed to go somewhere else. And I like the way that it ended up. I like the way that it kind of uh, allowed you to breathe a little bit and then give you a, a sense of uh, a, a cool little uh, piece of uh, closure, I suppose. But um, if you like a lot of the Japanese anime films that have been coming out recently, because uh, the movie that I thought of a lot was um, uh, The Girl Who Left Through Time. So there, that's also like another uh, – recent anime movie where it's kind of uh you know it doesn't really follow any of that weirdo they're not weird but it doesn't really follow the whole entire like you know struggle of obtaining gold so you can free your brother from an iron suit um or like uh superhero stuff it's kind of just uh school kids and doing their stuff but uh i liked it a lot i would highly recommend it i know that it's kind of uh just being released here in the u.s but it's it's gone bonkers overseas and I can definitely see why. Peter, what'd you think? Um, I liked it a lot. I I um I saw it a few months ago. I saw it at a screening where it was when it was um it was up for um basically con- uh, as a contender to be nominated for best animated film for the Academy Awards. So that was the screening, and um I I liked it a lot. I I was okay. I'll say this. I heard it surpassed Spirited Away at the box office in Japan. It's not that good. Let's not because let's not all movies should be measured about what movies they beat at the box office. That's why. That's why Peter <laughs> loves Jurassic World. Oh, okay, good point. I mean, but, a billion dollars isn't wrong. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I I liked it a lot. I thought that the yeah. um, I actually I think he, Abe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the the premise, what you know of the premise in the beginning, is quirky enough for a rom com esque tale and the characters are very likable and the way they use their um their 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 smartphones to kind of try to either interact or leave messages yeah. is, is really clever but the story takes a different turn which i didn't expect and that's when i really started liking it and i was like oh this is oh this is much grander than i thought it was going to be <laughs> you, act, um, you acted like one yeah. of the japanese characters of the film oh well yeah oh. <laughs> um, that said i will say this um Okay, wait. So I saw it. The Japanese, I guess, released. It was Japanese with subtitles. Is that what you saw? Yeah, that's what I saw as well. Because there's a new version where they did a new soundtrack with um, with English actors. And I will say, if I have one criticism, and it's totally a cultural thing, which means that it's just it's really just me and I'm not really digging the J-pop soundtrack uh, in the movie. Like that was not, <laughs> like it's so disagree. Right. Okay. Because I heard that they, no, no, but please. Yeah. Well, because I heard that they redid they did new music, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I would like the new music then. Like, um, but, but, um, but yeah. For for a frame of say, reference, every time I see Peter, he's pulling up in his car, blasting J-pop. So it's weird to hear him say otherwise. He's got he's got blue hair now. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It's funny with the release of Ghost in the Shell. And, uh, you know, as Aaron says, I, I do play a lot of video games and um, I'm right now playing Persona 5, which is essentially an anime video game series. And I and I 
I love the music in that. And it is kind of J-poppy, but yeah, I don't know. In your name, I was like, eh, different score would have been better. But um, but still, no, no, I thought it was terrific. It was definitely one of my favorite anime movies of last year. And and I think I texted Yancey about it. I was like, oh, you should see this. It's really good. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's definitely on my uh, top 10, 15 list right now. Although there's not a whole lot that we've seen that's been great. So it certainly is like in the top 10, I'd say. But um just to you know, give you a broader perspective on, on what Peter's saying. What's interesting is that uh, they they kind of had there's like a there's some cut scenes sometimes, and it's if you ever watch Japanese anime TV shows, they're they'll cut with like music um, to commercial, and there's a couple points that happens in this movie, and the first time it happened, I thought that's that's the end of the movie. That's a weird way to end a movie, but I guess that I could see why people liked it. But they kind of go through a full song. Uh, of Japanese J-pop, I don't, I guess you could call it J-pop, and then the rest of the movie continues, and they they semi do it later too. But uh, I can definitely see where that would draw some people out, Peter. So uh, I was just kind of just jokingly saying that I disagree, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I, like what if Peter has an issue with it, I'm pretty sure that there's gonna be a lot of folks that have an issue with it. And there's a lot of folks that have issues with subtitles, which uh, is a question I want to ask you, Peter. Is do you like when uh, imported movies get uh, an English dub version, or do you enjoy the original Japanese subtitle or Japanese language and English subtitle? You know, it's funny. Growing up, um, I think that I was more like, of course, I want to hear it in Japanese. I, I you know, and I want to read the subtitles. But I don't know. Maybe I've gotten lazier because most of the Miyazaki movies of probably the last, you know, Spirit Away and all them, I pretty much watched them all with the American voice acting so i don't know maybe I, again maybe i just got lazy i, I think um, i mean it I also it, helps yeah. that those 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 actors are like high profile yeah, like john folks. john lasseter has been, was been, has been a you know of disney and pixar he's been a big force in making sure that if they're going to put out studio ghibli movies they're going to do a great job of getting the you know actors involved and having them do a commendable job to match up to the films that are you know being brought to america those have been those have been great those yeah. tracks i tell you the 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 Japanese audio for My, My Neighbor Totoro, which is one of my favorite movies ever, is I can't listen to it. It's such a cultural difference. They, they have those little screaming girls that are screaming in that shrill thing. They yeah. must like that in Japan. I can't stand it. So for me, I like the, the, the Lasseter track. Same thing with Spirited Away. The screech, the screaming and the screeching is unbelievable. Yeah. They must and they definitely do that in Spirited Away a lot because they got to scare away those, uh, or especially in My Neighbor Totoro, they got to scare away those like dust mite monster oh, things. Oh, man. Those two little <laughs> girls start screaming. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> cultures are different cultures and are different. I don't, yeah. i've never watched ponyo with the japanese track but i don't think anything could surpass liam neeson as david bowie in that movie so tina fey was the yeah i like that one a lot those are all great yeah i do too um but yeah i mean you know yancy and i are um while i remember loving akira and I like Cowboy Bebop and stuff. I'm not a huge uh, anime person, and I think Yancey is less. However, we both really like Miyazaki. Love. And I, and I think, but I think Yancey, I think there's a sweetness to your name that, I, I mean, it's not fantastical like a Miyazaki movie, but I, I think it's not like, it's not ultra cool ghost in the shell. And it's not like that. No, it's just yeah, a whisper of the heart or something. Right. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we're bringing up Miyazaki a lot, and his films are definitely they they look different, uh, and they also have a much like deeper storyline than you know what you see on the screen of like children running around in the forest kind of thing. This movie, yeah, is is a little bit more saccharine than that, and 
it's but it's still competent. It's not like something that I would. I've seen a lot of Japanese anime where it's kind of just like throwaway, like oh that, well, that was like a, a a nice like you know ninety minute animated feature. But this one actually has uh, some some cool stuff that they do in it. So I can see why it was it was released uh, in theaters here in the U.S. rather than just kind of like being a, a word of mouth kind of thing from Japan and then you'd catch right. it like uh, on DVD somewhere. All right. Yeah. It's a sweet film. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I look forward to catching your name at some point. Um, yeah. But let's, let's move on, guys. Okay, so we've been going long with just these big movies, but I know we've all seen yeah. other movies during the week. So I want us to quickly, each of us, because I know we've all probably seen at least one of the things, go over one thing that you've seen that you want to quickly quickly give a brief shout-out to. So we'll start with Abe. Uh, I've only seen, really seen one thing lately, and that was uh, Quiz Show, which, which is on Netflix. And I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it's still great. So Speak, Speaking of Robert uh, Redford, he directed the film. <laughs> speaking of Robert Redford, and also speaking of characters that, I, I forget what movie we were talking about, where there was like smart parents. Oh, Gifted. You know, they're not asshole smart parent folks. They're just people who like academia and intellectual. Paul Schofield. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was... Uh, it's it's great and uh, what you call it, um, man? I can't... Ray Fiennes, John Turturro. No, 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 no. Coach uh, Billy Sunday. What is who's Billy Sunday? Uh, Wooden Tooth. Coach uh, Billy Sunday. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Barton Fink. John Turturro. He is fantastic. Yeah, oh, he's great. fantastic in, in Quiz Show as like this bumbly guy from Queens. Um, Not Marty. But... I want to do Marty. Yeah, I think it was Marty. Yeah, and like there's like great writing, which is like give me something hard like a physics question uh you know make me lose on that kind of thing and so yeah. I, lo- I love the cinematography of it because i love when they push in on characters but overall again well worth your time if you watch it great one of my favorites of the 90s for sure yeah i love that movie yancy what uh what other film you you recently i saw last night i got I, I was lucky enough to get to go to see a double feature at the arrow in santa monica of uh two walter hill's first two movies the uh, hard times and the driver and he was there uh, speaking in between. It was great. They're beautiful prints. And uh, I, I always loved Hard Time. Seeing The Driver again this time, which is from 1978, and which stars Ryan O'Neill and Isabella Johnny and Bruce Dern. I liked it more than I had before. And I was really, I was really, I was really struck by how ambiguous the movie is. There's so many things in that movie that are left up to you to decide why did this character do that or why did this character say that. Um, and I couldn't help thinking about that when I walked out of Colossal today. I was like, yeah, there's not one moment in Colossal where I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be thinking or reacting or feeling. Whereas in The Driver, it's really, you know, it feels more, I appreciate a more sophisticated movie like that that lets me think th- some things through. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I don't I don't, uh, I don't, don't particularly like Bruce Dern in it, and I like Bruce Dern in general, but I think Ryan O'Neill is terrific in that movie. He got a bad rap in his career because I guess he's a good-looking guy. And he's, and he's not a yeah, great he's a actor. That's, that's why. That's, that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> He is great. In, if you've never seen a movie called Paper Moon, he's Paper, that Paper Moon is Paper the Moon. other good movie that he's really good in. Uh, he's terrific, obviously, in Barry Lyndon, yeah. and he's really good. At Barry Lyndon, he's magnificent, and he's really good in this. Like, and he's you know, it's 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 a really good like, you know, it's a car chase movie, but it's it's an existential car chase movie, and I, I really I really enjoyed seeing it. A beautiful sort of, I guess it was a projection of it, but it was gorgeous. I really enjoyed that. Peter, how about you? I've uh, been on a Whit Stillman kick uh, lately. Uh, we uh, Megan and I watched, finished his, you know, the trilogy, the the ones from the '90s, and Last Days of Disco, uh, way better than I remembered it. I, I really liked it. Um, and then we just watched the one he did twelve years later, um, 
damsels in distress. Uh, strangely, uh, d- didn't love it this time. I, I I don't know what it was. Maybe I was in a weird mood. I mean, it's yeah, it's such a great. You're up cast, all night you know? watching the Discovery. You're like, I don't know if I have time for Greta Gerwig and her nonsense now. A bunch of suicidal <laughs> teenagers. Like, I don't know. It just it did not click with me. Uh, me or Megan, we were both like, well, that's weird. I'm like, I don't know why this isn't working. Like, I don't know. I know Yancey likes it. Courtney loves it. I, I mean. And I like Wood Stillman. I don't know why. Love and friendship. You have to see Love and Friendship. It's right. fantastic. That's the thing. So now I'm finally going to watch. I've, I've had the Blu-ray forever, and I'm finally going to watch Love and Friendship. You guys he does. He tortures me. It's that Love and Friendship is a Peter Paris movie. I loved it, but you will love it. And I told you that a year ago. You had the Blu-ray <laughs> all this time, and you refused to spend 80 minutes to watch it. You yeah, it's a pretty quick it. it's, it's no movie. Yeah. Wait, 80 minutes? It's short? It's not long. It's super I know that. short. It's I, knew that. I knew you were assuming because it was a costume drama that it was long. No, it's a brief, wonderful yeah, it's a comedy. comedy. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> You'll love it. Best Kate Beckinsale performance ever, by far, obviously. There's some small supporting roles in there that are really funny as well. Uh, yes. That yeah. guy, that's been a while. Yeah, yeah there's one guy in there. The guy who was in the Christopher Guest. The, that yes, he, he was like, he was the most endearing character in the, the Mascots movie. So endearing. Uh, yeah, and he's really endearing in Love and Friendship. He's kind of this forgetful twit i need to look this up he's now terrific. because i re- uh tom bennett tom bennett's the actor uh yeah he's yeah he has a he's a great he's a great imbecile <laughs> in love and friendship yeah, 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 great yeah. Imbecile. the movie i will name i could name michelangelo antonio antonio's uh blow up which i'm reviewing for criterion because that's a great film but i'm not going to because there was a 22nd anniversary of a movie called a goofy movie that happened on yes! friday and so the lovely anna and i took it upon ourselves to watch a goofy movie which I don't think I've seen in quite some time, and yet when I was watching it, it all came back right away. <laughs> you could you could sing all the songs. Oh, right away because the first because the, the, the opening moments of the movie is a song, and like right away, and like because I know those Powerline songs already, but the song with like Max at the beginning, it right. now so but watching a goof, like watching it with like a critical eye, like it's a it's a it's a solid Disney effort. Like it's not like it's it not is. it's not like a the, you know a. It's not the, the pantheon of Disney movies, but it, it's a sure. it's a good father son bonding movie. Like I I enjoyed what it was laying out there, and it while the conclusion really rushes through things, I do think that the 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 journey they go on as far as a character arc goes, I think it works pretty well, and it's just really funny. Like it's a it's a fun little like it's a it's a goofy movie. <laughs> it lives up to that. So this is the goofy. <laughs> is this the goofy who's like a sort of layabout uh, sort of loser or is it the later goofy who is like a, a yeah it's the later goofy where he's the like father a, the later yeah, he's goofy. a father he has yeah. a teenage son he has a, he has a job yeah he's like he works as a child's photographer in a department store as you would expect right yeah he's he, he, before that he's joaquin phoenix's character in the master that's what he is but, um, uh, oh that's a good that's a good point that's exactly he drinks he moonshine he makes his own moonshine that's yes <laughs> That's, that's yeah. who he is. But no, I, goofy versus there's, the, the, and it was there's, there's quite a few enjoyable things about a Goofy movie in terms of what it's trying to do, because it, it feels like it's it it came out around the same time as Lion King, and it feels like it's such a... It doesn't have any lofty expectations beyond it's Goofy, it's a movie, it's a Goofy movie. <laughs> so and it, and it kind of delivers on that. So it's it, it was nice to catch back up with that one again. Glad. I'm glad to hear that. All right. let's. Uh, that was a good extended discussion of various films, guys. Let's, yes, it was. Um, Yes, yes. Let's let's get into some more of that with our out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is of course where we go over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where you guys answered a number of questions that we asked, and then we asked you to give us questions, which you gave us and we will answer. Yeah. Uh first question we asked everybody, pretty general or pretty broad. Uh, what has everyone been watching lately and what did you guys think of it? 
Brad writes, uh, I saw Life on Monday, and I can't recommend it enough. It gave me chills. I'm curious uh, about that. Yeah, I he chose going it. in style me over too. life, so, you know. <laughs> well, no, that's no. I, I was going to say, I would be that. I would be <laughs> you're going to air jerk mode but uh, I, i'd recommend life i mean i think there's like, some interesting things in it and i think we all kind of liked it as a panel even though we had some questions and uh whatever else but it's short so you can definitely I bought the race it. car that's all i <laughs> uh chris writes arrival he liked it halfway through iron fist it's not terrible but not as good as cage so far so that's what chris has been watching manish writes uh their finest is pretty that- good uh, yeah, that's, that's about, about it's about Dunkirk. Actually, it came out this weekend with um, Sam Claflin, uh, Bill Nye, and Gemma Arterton in it. Yeah, it's about it's okay. it's a kind of a small story that took place during a the Dunkirk event. So. Gotcha. Okay, so that's what uh, that's what uh, Manish is watching. Philip writes the Devil's Backbone for the Ooh. first time. Yeah, uh, he he also writes out now contributor Guillermo del Toro did a great job with it. The setting and the cast were quite interesting. I like that the only actor I recognized was a guy from Kronos. And the performances were all solid. Yeah, The Devil's Backbone's a great one. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good movie. And lastly, Justin has... Last movie I saw was Power Rangers. I liked it. It has its issues, but my six-year-old loved it, so I guess it did its job. I never watched Power Rangers as a kid. I was a Transformers, Robotech, Thundercats, and Voltron kind of kid. All right. So, yeah, okay. there you go. Next question we have here. We talked a lot about why Ghost in the Shell was problematic on last week's episode. Did anyone else, did anyone else see the film and have any thoughts on it? Uh, Manish writes, I haven't seen it, and I'm not sure I want to. I love Scarlett Johansson, but I don't feel good about seeing it. I cannot think about the controversy. I cannot stop thinking about the controversy, essentially. Yeah. Friend of the show, Sh- <laughs> Friend of the show uh, responds with, I feel the same way and haven't seen it yet. Uh, Justin writes, haven't seen it yet, but I have a large 4K UHD TV, very large, so I'll just have to wait till it's on Blu-ray or 4K UHD to find out. Hashtag humble Brad Justin. And uh, Philip gave us a pretty substantial answer here. He writes, he writes... <laughs> He writes, I liked it as a sci-fi action thriller with great visuals and also as a live-action anime. I enjoy Kurosawa's Shakespeare adaptations, and casting them with Japanese characters instead of white Europeans is cool and novel. Perhaps some people from countries in the East feel the same way. I try to take a film on its own terms and give it the benefit of the doubt, and I detect no malice in the casting Ghost in the Shell, which I think we all agree with. I don't think we thought Matt. Yeah, I think that's what we said. Uh, Also, I watch a lot of anime. And I think ethnic ambiguity and fluidity is a fundamental aspect of the medium. I never had a problem with the casting of Scarlett Johansson. In fact, I liked it and thought it was a good choice to lead this film with a woman who has established herself as a bona fide action star and has a strong screen presence. I found her performance visceral and convincing. Personally, I'm pleased to have a woman in a non-traditional role like this as a lead actor. My two cents, smiley face. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a well thought out answer. And again, I, I don't think that um, when we were talking about it uh, last week that we disagreed a lot with it. I think that there was just, again, I, there's one part of the third act that kind of just really rubs it in my face of like, okay, well, you're really making this hard to overlook, uh, which is an introduction of another character for a very brief period period of time. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I liked it. I, again, I said that I kind of wish that people would go see it so it would make some money back because I don't think it was like awful, but it just didn't really. It, it's currently, yeah, it's it's not doing well. It plunged pretty bad yeah, this yeah. second weekend, and it's not doing well overseas. And currently, Paramount's saying they're going to lose about sixty million dollars on the film. <laughs> so it, it Yikes. Is, is not worked out well. Uh, it's, and uh, yeah, that's, that's as far as the box yeah. office goes. Yeah, so your Peter, you did you guys watch it? No version of what Ghost in the Shell would have made money in this under these conditions. Yeah. I mean, so, if they cast it with Asian actors, it wouldn't have been a big movie either in the realities of this country. So, yeah, double strike. I, I is... you know, I, yeah, I saw it, and um, 
I have been racked with frustration this past week with on I, Aaron and Yancey uh, both know with my uh, reading a lot of people's um, comments, either people who who wouldn't even who refuse. You're to saying see the it internet or... doesn't have nothing but insightful thoughts on things. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it, it's frustrated me because I most of the issues I had with the movie are frankly with the source material. It's it's not about the casting of Scarlett Johansson. Um, and I thought it was a beautiful movie in IMAX. I thought it looked really amazing. Um, and I really feel like. This is one of those weird things where we can maybe talk about it if you do a Blu-ray, because I don't know if you do more spoilers with Blu-ray, but I kind of feel that some of the stuff that some of people I know have been upset about, I kind of feel like they're misreading the end of the movie. And it's we and Aaron and I have talked about this off podcast. I think we both agree it's not executed well. I would agree, but I don't think its intentions are as bad as i think some people think it is and it's right. and that's been kind of frustrating because i'm always like, like well i don't like i don't think this is as mean-spirited as you guys think it is so um it's probably yeah it's probably an okay movie but i yeah. still i don't know i enjoyed the the experience of it so yeah okay and then we'll move into the last question here uh, as we reach the end of spring and a crowded march what's your favorite film in the movie so or favorite movie of the year so far jay has lego batman closely followed by free fire Philip has Imperial Dreams. Justin has Lego Batman. Manish has Get Out and Personal Shopper. Susan writes Logan, and Chris also writes Logan. Uh, now we get to uh, some questions that you guys asked us, and uh, the first one is from Justin. He writes, uh, "Do you think we will see more live-action cartoon movies? I.e., what's your thought on a Robotech, Voltron, or even a Thundercats live-action film? Uh, so, live-action cartoon movies. Live so what he's saying, cartoon. I guess I'm trying to like what are." Some key examples I here. Think... Smurfs. You mean like Akira? <laughs> yeah, like Akira. Well, yeah, I guess Akira anime obviously uh, falls into that. Yeah, yeah, anime yeah. falls into that category. The Flintstones? Or, <laughs> I mean, or, or if you think of, like, yeah, all the Disney remakes that they're the making for live action. I mean, we, we are due yeah, for a Flintstones yeah. reboot, guys, let's face it. Um, I mean, I would love to see Rick Moranis. We didn't need the first one. We didn't need it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, I needed to see what they would really we, eat. You know, I needed to see the dinosaurs. We needed clothes. Rock Vegas. Let's not put that aside, guys. Viva <laughs> Rock Vegas. Um, the answer is yes. You will get twenty, at least twenty more years of nothing but live action, animated remakes. You, you, are, we are fated to that, whether we like it or not. Twenty years, every single animated film will be turned I mean, into a live action film. I, I would argue that even without rebooting certain live act or certain animated films, we're already getting live action cartoons of some of the movies that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I so really don't Beauty have... and the Beast was a hit. It's game over. They're going to do every single one. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's like, uh, it's on fire, you know, with uh, how much money it's making. Which I hope, I just hope, and I know this is the old guy, the old guy's worry, but I hope it doesn't displace the, I think, higher value of those earlier animated versions. I would hate to think that no one's going to watch the old beauty and the beast from the 90s it's such a great movie i mean yeah or the or the uh original disney jungle book that's a great i, I don't think the new yeah, beauty and the beast is displacing the animated beauty and the beast i mean the, the oh i, I the the, re, the reason that movie's making so much money is because of how revered the animated version is right but if you're seven years old right now and you see it and you love it will you ever want to go back seven year olds saw it because they love the animated version i'm telling you maybe maybe you're right maybe you're right okay okay yeah. well i hope so i look because those are those to me are high, high American art. I hope seven-year-olds more just flock to other things Dan Stevens does, <laughs> like The Guest, obviously. <laughs> like the guest. Yeah, children go and check out The Guest, where that really intense thrill. It has there. lessons. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right, so we'll move to the next question for everybody here today. Dennis writes, uh, will Fast and Furious X, I like to say X instead of 10, be the first uh, movie I watch via high frame rate or 3D or 360 degree VR goggles and or cable robot simulator? Will it be? Um, we got to tell us. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> um, you got to tell us. Yeah. Uh, I... I don't think so, but then again, you know, we'll see because we've seen how the 3D experiment has been going. You know, everything all of a sudden was after, after post-production 3D and nobody really wanted to go see that. And then 3D kind of has kind of been okay with some of its new uh, 3D is, stuff. And we regardless saw... of how much I enjoy 3D in a theater, 3D has certainly come a long way as far as the post-conversion process. Yeah. It's not, it's oh, hardly sure. an issue yeah, these sure. days. It's more of the pro- projection that's a factor. Four more avatars coming. One of those is going to be the first UHD movie everyone sees. Well, I mean, his right? plan is yeah, to not even have glasses involved. He just wants theaters to be able to project his movies without having to use glasses anymore. So, it's... but they I'm are CD, right? Well, I mean, that. if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be James more. Cameron. Let's get that out of the way right there. Right. <laughs> like... And then you know, to address Dennis's H high frame rate thing, you know, Ang Lee had a Billy Lynn long or Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, and I don't think people really. We're high on that. I mean, the Hobbit movies were also in high frame rate. And that's that's really the bigger, that that's either. the better that example like to go 48. with. I mean, the throw the Hobbit movies were at a massive scale, and everyone headed. Yeah, that was like forty-eight frames. Billy Lynn was sixty 120, frames. One hundred twenty so frames. One hundred twenty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he sorry. went for it. I'm sorry. That's that's a lot. Angley of frames went for it on that movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm discouraged by how little people try to give those things a chance. I mean, yeah, we're not conservative that we can't. You know. I mean. Like I, yeah. I've, gi- I've, like I've given it four like chances at this point, and I hate it. So, I mean, I have that going for me. <laughs> I mean, you hate the, the 120 frames per second I did, experience? I did not movie? enjoy it. It doesn't, hel- it, does, it doesn't help that I don't think the movies are particularly that, that good as far as the ones that have applied this format to it. So, again, I'm holding out hope that James Cameron makes it work for me. If he's like, you know what, I did okay. it, and he does it, and I'll be like, all right, Navi, let's do this. Let's. Get... You didn't like the Hobbit movies? I'm... It... <laughs> You don't need to get to this. <laughs> these Hobbit movies. Just, just quick blurb, quick blurb. <laughs> these guys, and I'm talking about Abe and Alex Billington, and all, they're all big on that first Hobbit movie. And I'm like, it's fine. Oh, I'm like, it's fine. Story. We'll see. And then the next one comes around. Yeah. Suddenly, I don't look like too much of an idiot anymore over here. That's where I'm at with them. <laughs> That's a cultural meme. Those movies are so... Every one of those Hobbit movies is better than any of the MCU movies. More artful, more cinematic. We're going to have to... I, I feel like we're going to have like some sort of uh, spin-off podcast here. We'll talk about it off air. <laughs> Why Yancey needs to piss everybody else off like, podcast. Like, yeah, Yancey versus the world. I can do it. That should that's be the blog title. Are wonderful. Why would the world not like those? That's, too, that's so silly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question I'm, here. The third Hobbit was my actually was my favorite. Oh, actually. God. The director's cut of that is oh, fantastic. The third one. That is magnificent. I'll check it out. I'm fighting you because I'm very greedy. Motivation solved. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean it's not, I mean, Peter, that that doesn't mean he's a dishonest person who's going to not put his all into the movies, which he did. I think that's the, the the narrative that it was done for greed. I mean, everything's done for money. No, no, I'm not talking about the meat. No, I'm talking about the the actual movie, the plot of the movie, where it's like I'm fighting you because I want money. Like that's the, like, and I, not too. There's not enough here. Ah, it just oh, God, it's I love so it. thin. I will go. I will go to the mat for that trilogy any day. Any day you guys want. A 
take on 20 guys. You heard it here first. Yancey will take on 20 guys. Moving on to the next question. <laughs> we'll take on the 20 right. Moving on! Uh, Manish asks, best Fast and Furious movie? This Fast is a fun five. question. Fast Five, first one. Uh, Fast five first is, one. yes, obviously Abe is the clear answer. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, Peter or Yancey was saying the first one. The no, first one is my favorite, yeah. No, yeah. Mine's, fa- mine's Fast Five... And then maybe Tokyo Drift, My, maybe. I think Elephantine later ones are so – I can't get into them. I like the charming, cheap first one. I really do. Hey, no, I just – The B movie. I think the now those too. are the ones are like forced A movies. They're trying to be like James Bond movies. Well, like, now, yeah, now I, – I, well, I, I, we talked about it on the podcast where the, it, it's become a little bit ridiculous. About they've never not been ridiculous. Any, any thought that they're, they've never not been ridiculous sure, is yeah. false. I mean that's – Well, now, now they're becoming like – uh, like a, a seven man universal like SWAT team, and that's the. Uh, but hey, we'll see the, where it the ends scale up has increased. I do not deny this, but the essence of what these movies are has never changed. Oh, the, I do the, think I do think that the fate of the Furious is objectively one of the worst movie titles I've ever heard in my life. That sounds like, that sounds like a, a bad translation of like a German movie. Are you, what are you talking the about? Vin Diesel loves puns. He's like, what? We have the eighth Fast and Furious, the fa- eight of the Furious. Nailed it, guys. I'm walking out of next the room one, to the next, next meeting. One. You guys do what you do. <laughs> next Can't wait for him to, to come up with it. The Fabulous, right? <laughs> the Fast and the Fabulous has to be the next one. Oh, I would love that. that would yeah, be, I think we would love hey. that. How many more are they supposed to make? How many are still ten? Like, well, this, is, this is the final. Yeah, trilogy. there's there's three more. Oh, so there's okay. this nine and, and X, gotcha. and that one that one can't be named anything but Fast X. I mean, that just yeah, that wouldn't yeah. like even if they say Fast and Furious ten, Aaron and Abe are only calling it Fast. I've X. I've been saying this from the top that it has to be Fast X. That's and they go into space, obviously. I mean, that just makes sense. <laughs> like Jason X, where yeah. Jason will show up and also Leprechaun. Okay, yeah. but yes, Fast. They might go into space. That's not a joke. I can see they're I'm, doing like Who's the, joking? The, 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 I'm back. Space Who's joking, joking about this? If they will have to. Hey, if they do that, I will be back on board. If they do Moonraker, I will be back. This has been board. this has been clear to me though. I mean, it's, it's for me. It's Fast Five, Furious Seven, Tokyo Drift. Then I guess probably six. Then the first one because it's the yeah. <laughs> then Too Fast. Then Fast and Furious is the worst one easily. Okay. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, Too Fast is no, the worst isn't. one. That's Wait, which do you think is the worst one? Yeah, the, the fourth, fourth one, one, easily. Fourth it's one. too moody. It What's has else? two of the best action scenes, I'll give it that. But it's just the ending is terrible with all that CG. Who's missing in that one? Uh, no, one. No, that's the one where they all got back together. Oh, they, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And had bad results. Wait, is the fourth one, is that when they kill Michelle Rodriguez, yes, yeah. Letty? Quote-unquote kill, because, you know, she rolls away. And it gets really right. moody, and everyone's all, Vin Diesel's standing in front of, oil rigs that are pumping and with his sleeveless shirts to make sure you emphasize his character and who he is. It's just, it's nonsense. <laughs> I don't know. I, did, I didn't like the second one. And I remember Yancey. Too fast is ridiculous. I give you, I mean, it's, but it, it, it flows with its own, it, it go, it embraces its, its ridiculousness. You know, I'll give you this. Fast and Furious has jaw rule in it. The, and, hey, yeah. the fast and the furious has jaw rule in it. Fast Sorry. and furious does no. not. Let's, you got to get <laughs> these articles straight. If you want to talk about the right movie, <laughs> 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 this will be a deeper discussion next week on our fate of the furious episode. Of course. So we'll, we'll get there. That's right. We'll yeah. There. Yeah. It's coming. But, um, that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to, let's uh, let's start wrapping things up. First up, we have Out Now presents what's out yeah. now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and there's quite a few here, guys. Let me uh, go through this list. First up, Hidden Figures. Yeah, see it. Good, good one. Yeah. 
uh, monster trucks. I heard that it was a huge flop written by a four-year-old. It was a huge flop, yes. But you know what? Pretty silly. <laughs> in, in, in an enjoyable sort of way. I've been saying I've been saying this. It has a very similar aesthetic to of all movies, Real Steel. And if there was like a, oh, I like yeah, if there was a connected universe between Monster Trucks and Real Steel, I'd embrace that. I think it's it has that kind of same vibe. Next up, Lion. Oh uh, yeah, I heard it was good. It's real good. Great, yeah. yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of real good, The Bye Bye Man. Heard it was bad. Oh, I kind of want to watch that. I'm, I'm curious let's, about it. Because I like silly let's, let's, movies. Yeah, let's, see, so. let's hear this now. That Peter has both Love and Friendship and The Bye Bye Man. Let's guess which movie he'll talk about first that he just watched. Yep, Bye probably. Bye <laughs> and they're both the same length. Let's keep you that know, in mind, too. They're both the same length, and yet he'll probably still watch The Bye Bye Man first. <laughs> yep, of course he will. Don't judge Peter by the movie selections he watches. <laughs> Well, actually, you know what? The one that I'm, I think I might watch tonight, um, and I think you've all seen it. I think you can't see uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. I haven't, I haven't seen good, it yet. Right? I've heard good things, though. Mm, okay. Nancy? Uh, yeah, I've heard good things. Oh, I thought you saw it. Oh, okay. Nope. okay. Next, next up, <laughs> Tony Erdman, the, the, uh, the acclaimed German great. film yeah, last year that was really. up for an Oscar. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm still looking forward to seeing it. I have not watched it yet, though. Uh, next up, The War on Everyone. With uh, Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård. This is the film from um, yeah. with uh, not Mc... the the the, the other fun. McDonough, not the one that did uh, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, but the one that did Calvary and um, the the guard, uh, his brother. Uh, thinking of it now, looking it up, and John, John Michael, Michael McDonough. There we go. Um, because of those two films, I'm intrigued by what this one has to offer, especially because Michael Pena could use a better cop buddy movie after Chips that I did not see, but never want to. Um, so I. I, this kind of came and went out of theaters, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it did. Yeah, very quickly, and so that, that's what leads me to believe that it wasn't very good. It's just a low-profile movie, so I'm, I'm curious. Mm. Okay, next up, Brimstone. This has Guy Pierce. It's a western. I know nothing about it. Haven't heard it. Yeah, have not heard anything about it. All right, moving. Nope. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, let's see, the Phantasm Collection. Out this week on Blu-ray. Sure. <laughs> Good. Yeah, those are fun. Those movies. Good like box movies. cover art. Yeah, nice. I know it's. I want the Arrow one from the UK. I think I'm gonna get the one. Yeah, I know that the UK. first one got that like that. that big 4K remaster recently and everything. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Speaking of. JJ Abrams. Paid yep, for he that, did. <laughs> speaking of which, or speaking of collections, the Dead or Alive trilogy from a uh, director uh, Takeshi Miike. I've not seen these. And uh, Miike films are come and go for me. So <laughs> it's. For every uh, 13 assassins, you, you get something that's crazy, so it's hard to balance it. Uh, let's see what else. House, two stories. These are the two. These are this is House and House Two, the second story. Oh, House and House yeah. Two. Yeah. Wow. The first House is is fun. The second one, I don't remember being any good. But it's a great title though, House Two, the second story. That's a, that's. The, that's yeah, funny. yeah. Uh, these are old horror movies. Uh, next up, Mars. This is some kind of Fox miniseries. I wasn't sure if it was. Yeah, Mars? Mars. I think like Nat Geo like co-produced it, uh, but yeah. Uh, moving on, okay. Silicon Valley season three and Veep season five. I'm excited for Veep season five. Uh, I heard Silicon Valley is great. I haven't you ever started watched Silicon it. Valley. Oh, that seems like right up. It. I figured you've been watching it. That seems right up your alley, Abe. There's a, there's a lot of content. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just Mike <laughs> Judge working watch. with great comedians to make great TV. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> If, yeah, you're watching Veep. You're not watching Silicon Valley. That's just a great one-two punch on Sunday nights, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'll check it All out. Right. I'll check it out. I'll All check right. it out. 
you live next to these guys. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I probably know a lot of the people that, that are, these guys are molded. It's great after. satire. All right. Next up, Criterion releases this week. First, we have The Young Girls of Rochefort and The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which was... Uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, one of my favorite movies of all heavily time. Heavily influenced uh, La La Land. It's one of the most heartbreaking movies I've ever seen. It's a one-of-a-kind. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a masterpiece. Like, I've always wanted to get Pete to watch it. He's borrowed it from me like 10 times. He never watched yeah, it. He'll watch, he'll watch <laughs> the Bye Bye Man this week, though, sung guys. <laughs> it's, it's sung through all the way, and it's sung through all the way in French. Obviously, it's gonna it's gonna be off-putting for some people, but it's Catherine Deneuve when she was considered one of the world's most beautiful women, and it's a, it's just a it's the most glory. I mean, I'm gonna it's an unbelievably romantic, like heartbreaking story of first love. It's one of the great movies ever. Mm-hmm. And Young Girls of Rochefort is I've actually never seen, but it's another Jacques Demy movie that he made with Gene yeah. Kelly and Catherine Deneuve, also a musical. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, let's see on Warner Archive this week, 36 hours. Uh, with James Garner, Ava Marie Saint, and Rod Taylor. I have not seen this movie, but I read the plot description. It sounds really cool. <laughs> I haven't seen it either, but yeah, it sounds really cool. I've never even heard yeah. of that movie, but I'm very curious yeah, about that. Warner Archive is pulling out some like cool ones from the vault. That, uh... And they do a great job. Their transfers oh, yeah. are just immaculate. Yeah, I just watched um, Bad Day at Black Rock not too long ago, which looks fantastic. Oh, man, movie. that movie's amazing. And that transfer is yeah. outstanding. That is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyway, just it's a really, it's, it's really good. It's so really good. That day at Black Rock is so phenomenal. 82 minutes. That movie's 82 yeah. minutes long. Astounding. Uh, let's see. How to Steal a Million with Audrey Hepburn. That's also out on, uh, I think that was on. Ooh, Twilight Time. Yeah, Twilight Time. Time. That's right. Twilight Time release. And uh, lastly, on Shout Factory this week, Never Too Young to Die, starring a very young John Stamos. I just wanted to point that one out for that reason. <laughs> John Stamos. <laughs> um, all right. So that's out now, which presents out now. Next up, extremely cool. These are movies that are coming out on streaming this week. First up, Kubo and the Two Strings is now on streaming. There's just see not it. a reason to not see this anymore, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's see out it. there. That's there. Uh, let's see. The Get Down, part two. I enjoyed the first part of The Get Down, and I look forward to finishing up the second part of The Get Down. This is the Netflix original I, series yeah, uh, from um, uh, Baz Luhrmann. About uh, '70s hip hop, the, the the introduction of uh, of hip hop and rap, um, and it's very it's ambitious and it's messy in parts, but I, I still enjoy what it's trying to do quite a bit. So I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing the second half. Uh, let's see, Win It All. This is the new Joe Swanberg film with uh, Jake Johnson coming back after Drinking Buddies, I guess, together, and it's now on Netflix as well. Jake Johnson blowing up on your TV screen and then movie theater with Jake the Mummy. He's getting that. He's getting that. Getting paid and getting that work done. He's putting. I call him JJ for sure. I, I call him JJ's world uh, for his Jurassic World role. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, documentary now season two. If you are a fan, those are. If you like great. Fred Armisen and Bill Hader spoofing popular documentaries, this is a show for you. <laughs> like this, yeah. Yeah, there's some really clever ones here, um, and there's and it shows a true dead. It shows a true love for documentary cinema too, given like the kinds of work they put into. Well, Bill Hader is like a giant cinephile, yeah. and so he loves all this stuff. But they had one with like uh, it's like a rockumentary uh-huh. thing about like you know what happens after the band breaks up. It's fantastic. Like I couldn't even tell whether it was real or fake. Yeah, what, what's clever is that every, you know, it's not like there's, you could watch any of these episodes. It's not like you have to tune in to like figure out what's going on. So it's a uh, yeah, you don't have to watch yeah, them in exactly. sequence. Okay, that's extremely cool. 
Uh, let's get to next week's show. Next week, as we already teased, is uh, the fate of the Furious. That is what we'll be talking next week. And um, of course, I can't look. I can't. I can't be more excited about another Fast and Furious movie. I know that you're very excited. Oh yes, uh, regardless of how good it is, <laughs> um, it, yeah. it, uh, it's always exciting to see another uh, another one of these. Just because of the sheer Indeed. fact that they exist, and it's the eighth one. <laughs> that, that's nothing but exciting for me. <laughs> we'll see. It does mean yeah. spring here. Yeah. <laughs> um, last thing we do here now. What should people go and see in theaters right now, and what do you plan to see next? Peter Paris, what should people go and see in theaters right now? Well, I'm going to see Fate of, Fate of Furious next. That's my next screening. Wait, what should people see now? Shoot. I mean, John Wick isn't even playing anymore, you, right? You I think saw Colossal? You saw it's Gifted? Good, you saw yeah. Going in Style? Uh, I mean, I guess Colossal? I mean, you I saw you, you saw your name? Well, I love your name. Um, of those choices, that's my favorite. Um, God, I wish I could think of some something else, but uh, yeah, no. But I mean, I did really like your name, so yeah, uh, your name, Nancy. I'm gonna say uh, colossal, mostly for Anne Hathaway's performance. I think that was a real nasty cultural meme that went around that wasn't actually connected to reality. I thought she deserved the Oscar for that Les Miserables scene, and I think she's a terrific actress. She's kind of re- she's kind of uh, reprising her. Uh, Rachel getting married character a yeah, little bit here. Yeah. It's not as it's not quite as it's not as nuanced mm. a movie, but it uh, it's worth seeing. And I do think for someone who's maybe uh, you know stuffed themselves on more mainstream conventional kinds of movies, I think this is the kind of movie that could make someone a fan and make someone interested in more yeah. uh, artful movies and interesting mm. and offbeat movies. You know, so I'd recommend that. What do you see next? Hey. I I got no plans, guys. I'm taking recommendations. I have nothing on on the PD. You're taking me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> see anything? I don't know. Well, I think the next one that you'll probably want to see is The Guardians, and that's probably in a few weeks. Oh, oh yeah, I do want to see that. So, yeah, so you can talk about how The Hobbit is better than it? So you can talk about how The Hobbit is better than it already? <laughs> the Hobbit is better. Well, I don't know. The Hobbit is better than all. All three Hobbit movies are better than all of the released MCU movies. But, but to be not fair. Not necessarily better than Ang Lee's Hulk or, Spider, or Spider-Man 2 from Raimi. Those are but great. To be fair, to be fair, Yancey, you are a fan of the first Guardians. Oh, it's wonderful, but it's not as good as. But it's... <laughs> there's some great. Some of the MCU movies are very good, but none of them are classically crafted like The Hobbit is for me. It's just, it's just something that I. Abe too. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, definitely recommend your name. And uh, next is gonna be uh, Fast Eight. Uh, yeah, I, I would say uh, Colossal is certainly worth your time. Obviously, it's only playing a limited release, but if it spreads near your town, I would say go check it out. And uh, yeah, Fast and Furious 8 is uh, what I'm uh, going to see next. I'll also shout out because it comes out the same week as Fast 8. Actually, I'll wait. I'll wait on that. I'll tease that one now, but uh, I'll, okay. I'll hold that one All right. so I'll have more to talk about next week. Um, but yeah, and Gifted. I think Gifted's solid for you know an audience that wants that kind of thing. Um, sure. But all right, that's with that out of the way. That's going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. All my written movie reviews are over there, as well as on wisetheblue.com. You can also find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over at oakleydoakley, uh, Instagram, and twitter.com slash rawwithsmoose. Hashtag Dan Stevens is in everything. <laughs> Peter Paris, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you know, right now, I, I am hoping to finally get... Um, to get my first video game review up for Why So Blue, uh, this it just so happens that the games I'm these are all huge games, um, but uh, nothing right now. I've just been uh, working on my new job, so I've been too You're busy. On Twitter, um, right? So, well, yeah, okay, that's mm-hmm. true. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Pajamo, also Instagram and stuff. So that's true. Yeah, see anywhere people can find you on online. 
Yeah, you know, the curious uh, <laughs> who are interested in going to the dark side uh, of madness can look at uh, my stuff on uh, Milky Way Blue. That's one word, Milky Way Blue at blogspot.com. I've got uh, some stuff up there. And I, I'm also on Twitter, Yancey Jack, one word. All right. Um, you, you can find all the other episodes about now there in an Abe on iTunes as well as on Audio Boom. Listen to our old episodes over at Podomatic, H-H-W-L-O-D, and SoundCloud. Feel free to email us any thoughts on anything we discussed this week over at OutNowPodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. And, of course, feel free to send us plenty of gifts of I don't know what over at our anything. at our, at our uh, Tumblr page. OutNow, or just make fun of us for having a Tumblr. OutNowPodcast at Tumblr.com. Uh, Peter <laughs> and Yancey, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Peter. P- thank Bye. you, Yancey. Thank you guys. This was awesome. I Thanks, it. guys. Of course. I always love being yeah. out here. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. And uh, next week, we're uh, certainly going to try to continue keep this fun train moving when we get to the fate of the history. <laughs> but until then, that's going to do this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Yeah, we got. Well, this year will be probably will be. I think Empire is our commentary for this year. As far as December is reserved now for Star Wars commentaries, and I believe this year it's it's Empire. <laughs> when you said Empire, I was thinking of the the Fox TV show. Yeah, we're only talking. <laughs> but yeah, for our commentaries in December, we're only talking about Terrence Howard episodes of Empire. <laughs> that's the that's what like, we're are doing. Are we gonna now. get Taraji on? <laughs> Do any Star Wars commentary for sure. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep we'll keep that in mind. Um, yeah. yeah.